Game Face episode 310 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for the next two hours of awesome video game discussion. Alongside me to do that is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Two hours, huh? You think this is going to be a short one again? I think it might be. I mean, he always says that. <laughs> I have a good feeling this time. <laughs> if some of you guys have places to be here in the next couple hours, you're probably going to be good. I don't think the show's going to make it out to full time, but we'll see. I've said that before and been wrong. Um, Matt, a big week for you this week. Um, we mm. talked about it in last week's show that you were having your film shown at a film festival here mm -hmm. in LA. I went uh, to check your films out. I was blown away by your films. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I feel like we watched, what, 20 probably films between the two blocks um, that we saw? It was uh, five, five in one and six in the other, so it was okay. 11. So like 11 films. Of the 11 films that we saw, and I'm not, I probably am biased, but I'm trying to not be biased here. Matt's film, Flat Earthers, was the best one. Well, thank you. The whole film in one shot. And what is it, about 10 minutes long, 11 minutes? It's, uh, it's nine and a half minutes. So almost 10 minutes yeah. long. One shot, the whole film. And mm -hmm. six takes is all it took. Yep. And it's the second take, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. That happens a lot in production. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, th you, you do a bunch of takes, and we always say one more for safety. You feel like mm -hmm. once you get your one good take, you need another one. Yeah. Just we, in case I mean, we, there's a pop or something. We just shot as many takes as we could. Before you ran out of before time. Before we ran out of time that night. That was all. We were like, we want to do it as many times as we can. We got, we got six and a half done. The first take was sort of a bust because uh -huh. we, we had to reset. Oh, so, the first take. So, the, so the, the, one, the actual movie is the third time we did it, but the second full take. Okay. And then we did three more, and then it was like four in the morning, and we had to stop. Yeah, you had to stop. Um, and it's not, it's not one take where people are just sitting there. They no. start outside and it's a walk along, mm. and the camera follows them into like a restaurant. They at the, in the restaurant they walk mm. to the bar, then they come back to their seat, then the one one person goes back to the bar. They're tracking this the whole time, and the the actors cannot make a single mistake, and they nail it. Mm -hmm. The actors in that film deliver amazing performances. What is next for oh your theatrical? Um, well, the, the, the festivals are kind of over for the summer and then there's more in September. So there will be, they're playing in, uh, I think Knoxville and Catalina, um, which we're happy to get into. Apparently that's a tough one to crack. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're going to be in Fort Lauderdale in November and a couple others were, I mean, we've submitted them to everything. Like if there's a film festival in your area in, in North America, we have submitted to them so we'll see um is it going to tiff i don't know um we, we will submit to them but whether we get into toronto is is up to them um would you go up there yeah i probably would i mean toronto is a big deal yeah so i would go there um like i didn't we, we played in uh the snake alley film festival in iowa uh last weekend i did not go to that although brian did um ran into his first uh uh, and uh, first person who disagreed with Flat Earther, because um, Flat Earther is a uh, anti-conspiracy nut, anti-gun 
movie. I think most people probably would guess that from the title. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and but he so this guy came up to to Brian afterwards and apparently said like, yeah, I don't agree with you. I'm an I'm an I'm an Army Reserve guy, and I think everyone should have to own a gun. Not like should own a gun, like should have to own a have gun. To. Apparently, should be forced. Fun. Um, but he's like, I just wanted, to, you know, I don't agree with the movie, you know, premise, a you know, point. But I, he's like, I just wanted to thank you for like, you know, making making the conspiracy person feel like a real person and relatable and not like a cartoon kind of thing, you know, like that. And Brian like just sort of stayed quiet and nodded, and we're like, <laughs> What are you talking? I, about? And he, he texted me about it. And I'm just like, Really? Because I felt like we didn't do that at all. Like she comes <laughs> off like a loon. Yeah. But like, um, if I me mean, look, if he thought we did that and and felt like we portrayed it fairly like maybe that you know maybe someone else will listen you know like if you don't if you know if you're not portraying them like a caricature you know there's a better chance that someone's going to think you're you're not insulting them you're trying to communicate something so i thought that was a pretty good cop it's one of the weirdest compliments i've ever gotten <laughs> on, on my work but it certainly counts yeah um so that was cool yeah um what about like next films that you're going oh, to actually produce do you working. have any idea yet yeah like brian's working with a couple other people on a on a script for another thing that would be a feature length thing but uh we're working on you know finding people who are interested in helping fund that uh as well um that would be a ways down the road mm-hmm. like the earliest that could shoot would be like mid to late next year okay um but the, yeah, these two short films will have run their festival course by next spring, right? Because nobody wants a year old short films. Yeah, yeah. Probably the last thing we would do was try to get them into San Diego Comic Con. Okay. Um, I didn't even know that they had shorts. They do. There. They they do a lot. And like the weird thing is they don't. They tend to like like non-genre stuff. Huh. Like they're like they 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 tend to to pick stuff that isn't like superhero sci-fi like horror stuff like you kind of expect from a comic convention. Yeah. They they tend to go for more serious films. So like um we're, we figure we got a decent shot at that, but that was, and they don't care like if things have played elsewhere. Yeah. Is kind of one of the advantages. Like that's a lot of the LA stuff like it was a big deal for, you know, for LA that like you know, none of the LA places festivals want you to ever show them anywhere before mm-hmm. they play at those festivals because they want they want them to be you know West Coast premieres or mm-hmm. something with things like that, which we did. You know, obviously we yeah. did that. Um, so yeah, and there will be um, uh, chances to see them online eventually. Like once they've kind of run their festival course, uh, there will probably be online versions. Or you know, in a in a wonderful world, someone would pick them up for streaming. Right. Um, but we'll, there, you'll be able to see them one way or the other eventually. Okay. Although you should really see them in a theater because they they look real good on the big screen with all the sound. You know, the surround. We, we spent a lot of time mixing them. Like the, the audio in your films the, was the best of any of the films. We had we Far had. I mean, we had the guy who mixes. Um, uh, I think is the CSI uh, show. Like he's a he owns his own audio mixing you company. Can tell. Like he's a he's a professional. He does a lot of Nick stuff. All the other films were flat. Mm-hmm. You guys actually had surround sound in your oh, yeah. films. No, we yeah. had, we did we did full surround mix. Um, Brian Brian is a big sound person and. He, and he worked very hard on that and you know he wanted it to be basically like if we ever need to do a dolby atmos version we're ready yeah. um and he did a great job he did like i was not too involved in that process it was more like i'd come in when he would be like okay i think we got a new thing to watch a new thing to hear for yeah, you and yeah. like go and like yeah that sounds great yeah because you should hear i mean there there is almost no natural sound in flat earther i can tell. um yeah and uh, and in the dance film, like the dance film had a lot of footsteps added. Really? Like when I mean, we oh mic'd, my gosh, I mean no we, <laughs> I mean we mic'd the floor. 
Yeah, we we mic the floor, but like it was a lot of it's enhanced, a lot of it is sweetened at the very least. Like, mm-hmm. like we wanted every step to have that, and like it, you'll see, like even in like some sequences in that, like you'll see, like there's like sound effects added for people's hair swishing and stuff because yeah. it's very heightened and fantastical. But like, yeah. um, no, the 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 sound work on both of them were ma- like the the difference between watching like the raw shot of Flat Earther and the final sound mix of Flat Earther is the difference between a good and a bad movie. Yeah. Like it's, it's sound is the, one of the most important People things. People don't even realize it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just want to say I'm very proud of my friend, Matt Kyle. And it was great to just be in that environment again after mm. COVID where you're not really hanging around with people from the industry as much anymore. It was great to just be around production people again, people who are really excited about production and creating great video content and feeding off of that a little bit, mm-hmm. at least for me personally, it was that way. Um, and then just seeing the response to Matt's films and my personal response to Matt's films, they were great. Uh, it was a great day. So yeah. congratulations, Matt. Very proud of you for everything mm-hmm. that you've done. Um, and in answer to AF Cabone, we do not get paid for showing at a festival. In fact, you pay to submit to the festival. Yeah. It's for it's for uh, exposure, networking, and you know, letting people know it's out there. And you can see that going on if you go to one of the festivals. It is just networking all over the place. Yeah. Um, people trying to find that person that they need for their crew mm-hmm. um, that they haven't managed to find yet. It's a good place to go and do that stuff. So it was amazing. And I hope you guys all get to see Matt's films very soon. But we are a video game podcast and we are hard, we are here to discuss video games with you guys. And even though it was a slow week in games, we actually have a pretty good show as far as the stuff that we're going to discuss today. And we're going to kick things off with undoubtedly the biggest game release of the week, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It is a Switch exclusive, and I try, unless a game is gigantic, I try not to leave Game Face off with an exclusive because you're immediately excluding a certain audience from the show when you do that. Um, But I feel like most people have a Switch as like their second console. Um, So we do end up sliding Switch games into the number one slot on Game Face every once in a while. And this is one of the biggest releases, easily, the biggest release for the last month. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the thumbnail. Maybe for the summer. Yeah. It was the thumbnail for Dossier for last month. Although I would argue that Stray has penetrated the, you know, wider zeitgeist more. And I bet it sells better, too, Stray does. Probably, yeah. Because it's on at least a couple platforms. I mean, I would definitely recommend Stray to more people than this. Just for, (laughs) not because Xenoblade is bad, but because it's just a different audience. It's it's definitely a different audience, for sure. Um, This is a JRPG. It certainly is. (laughs) There's no disputing it. There's no denying it. It is a Mm -hmm. JRPG. And immediately... I will say, like, one of the things... I mean, look, I'm not going to... I'm gonna be not gonna be ripping this game too hard because you know people know I like Xenoblade um, and like stuff like that guy. But like the main cast does this thing that like the modern JRPG stuff does, where the heroes, even if they start in sort of period or world appropriate clothing, they're gonna end up dressed like they're going out to the mall for an afternoon on Saturday. And like I don't get why that's a thing now. Like, yeah. why is everyone in contemporary jackets? Like, that's so <laughs> weird to me. Like, why? It's I don't know. I don't. I like. Why would you fight demons in that dress? Is yeah, that, I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah, I know Lulu from Final Fantasy X was popular, but come on. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not egregious, but it's just one of those things. It's like it feels like, like the JRPGs either. Though, no, but like it's like like this like Noah there like I, Noah's cool and all, but like. I continually feel like he wandered in from a Persona game. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's it's weird. 
it is a little strange. And I don't think they ever explain that in the franchise where it would explain why people would be wearing contemporary clothing. No, it's just that's just a, a <laughs> convention of the genre you now. You just must accept. That's just how it is. Yeah. yeah. Probably partly because of the popularity of Persona. Yeah, it could be. Like, Persona does really well, you know, and, and like part of it is like everybody looks like normal people that are look like people that maybe would dress the way you do or maybe at least in Japan as a as a fashion fashionista kid, you know. Yeah. Um or like a little kind of the dress up doll thing. But like yeah, it's it's weird. Even the fact that like you know, like I tie on like I like Tyon, I think he's a great character, but it's like these are genetically bred soldier youth soldiers <laughs> meant to be used for ten years and then murdered and recycled why does one of them have imperfect eyesight right. to the point that he has to wear glasses? <laughs> Don't think Except that the much. smart character in an anime has to have glasses to push up when he says something smart. Yeah. That's the only reason it's there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you can tell that like there's periods during these long battles I think about this too much. Yep. Well, let's actually talk about the story, Matt, because... I'm a little confused about what's going on in this game. Um, well, not... unless you have played 200-hour <laughs> RPGs to their conclusion, you would be. Here's what I have, and I've played 15 to 20 hours roughly of this. My rough outline of the plot is there's a forever war going on between these two sides. Mm -hmm. As you intimated earlier, there's these, this group of people who, and I haven't figured this out yet, Matt. Do they live 10 years, or do they... Or in service of the military for 10 years. They live 10 years. So how do you explain this opening cinema where they're all like six years old? That is the end of Xenoblade 1. Okay. Because I can, I can explain. But they go I can from child to like adult in like by... Well, well yeah, because it's like eight years later. Or almost nine years. So, cause, well, so here's the thing. That... The beginning there where they're running through the crowd and like go look at the thing and then the, the time freezes and like Noah's looking around like what the hell's going on? That's not this version of this world. So, I got, I got to get into the ending of Xenoblade 1 here. So, spoilers for a 12-year-old game. <laughs> um, at the end of Xenoblade 1, the characters are given the opportunity to recreate the world. And Shulk asks that the, wants the world to be a world where no one needs to ask or rely on gods. Because that was a big problem in Xenoblade 1. And it's implied that he gets that. Um, so what I think is happening at the very that first scene in this game is I think you're seeing Noah and them in the original world of Xenoblade Chronicles One. Okay. And as Shulk's wish happens, and when the world is recreated, what the world is recreated into is this nightmare thing where they're all recreated over and over by the queen to fight this war that never ends, to absorb people's life forces, to feed the queen, to then recreate life, recreate the same characters again. Because they live 10 years, but they're born in these tubes by like the, the queen's magic thing or whatever at like eight years old. So conveniently, they start at eight, train for like a year, and then fight and die when they're eighteen. But the trick is that you, it's called the homecoming when they die. If you if you live ten years without dying in battle, you get what's called the homecoming, where you walk up to the queen and she kills you by zapping you into yellow energy, and you supposedly sleep in peace. Whatever, yeah. You know. So do um, you go from a baby to an adult in no, like the they, first year. Or no, something? you. They show it like you, they, they're created in pods. 
You know, she pops them in the pods, and they come out eight years old, basically. That, okay. So then they live so they ten show years. That yellow pod with the lit- yeah. liquid inside. That's them actually. That's them being born. Eating them. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So then they live ten years and conveniently die at the anime-appropriate age of eighteen. Because if you if you live longer than eighteen in an anime, you're an ancient person. That's true. Um, early on, they're very shocked to see someone with wrinkles because he's like sixty. Right. And like he's like, yeah, this is what a human being looks like when he lives longer than ten years. You weirdo. I was like, yeah. um. So here you see them. They're creating like yeah. the eight-year-old kid, and that's so that's how they're born. And then they live ten years. They have a little tattoo on them that tells you how many years years old yeah, they are. The tattoo changes as they age. Yeah, right? I, I I don't know if it changes automatically or if it's just altered. They by, update it. They update it. Um, probably the latter. The but one like, girl has the tattoo on her boob. Yeah, they put it all the different places. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the the uni has it there, and so does Ethel, the 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 the, the superhero. Yeah, about. yeah. And uh, like one, Lance has it on his chin and i think uh noah has it on his hand or something mm-hmm. yeah they all have it in different places and um the uh so, so like so and so what but I, so it's like a logan's run thing what i think so it hasn't gotten to that <laughs> it hasn't gotten to that point yet in the very 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 long game that it is but i'm pretty sure that they do not automatically die at 10 years i think that they are killed by the queen yeah, they're sacrificed. Like, yeah, right? they're sacrificed. Like, and I think there's a point coming up where they're going to be like shocked that the you know one of their clocks runs out and they they don't die, oh. and they realize because they, they think it's because they think it's the right? best thing ever. Yeah, yeah, making it to your homecoming is supposed to be like a big honor and the, the greatest thing you could ever achieve, and they're slowly realizing that like. You know, there's an element of like, and this is obvious to anyone who's ever seen a story before, but it's like <laughs> they are obviously being played against each other by larger powers. Yeah, you know? there's, there's, like the, the the gathering of the life force thing is clearly for some other purpose. Yeah, there's like these big, almost like soul harvesters that yeah. are like harvesting flame souls clocks. as people die. Yeah, yeah, and the more they fill up with, and like Noah and and Mio, the other character from the other side that teams up with you, they are um, what's called offseers, and they basically play. Um, they basically play uh, um, flute music to send off um, people people who have died, because so they can send their their energy on. And you'll like around the whole world, you'll find um, you'll find basically corpses of soldiers from either side, and they're laying there like giving off red energy. And to you play the flute, and the energy turns blue and flies off to wherever wherever energy goes here because there's because no, one of the things that, that that clues you in that this is the world shulk created at the end of the first game is that none of them there's no religion there's no no one has any like religious epithets they say by the flames or you know spark it all or like there's no all their like exclamations of frustration have nothing to do with goddesses or god any like like, like a normal fantasy anime thing would be uh, they have no concept of like an afterlife ethereal thing it's all this like weird recycled energy thing um and then at some point or very early on you're sent on a mission to um to go intercept some thing and nobody knows what it is and they won't tell you what it is because they don't know what it is and it turn and you go there and the other side that they are eternally warring against they're also after the thing so it's not them like you realize it's not them doing it and it turns out to be a mech that looks nothing like all the other mechs in the game it's like the mechs of the different sides look like that kind of like Final Fantasy X style, like Magitech, yep. you know, kind of look, like Evangelion-y kind of things. And um, the mech that shows up here is like looks like something out of Ghost in the Shell or like like a military anime. And mm-hmm. they shoot bullets, which is new. Like the, the 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 characters have never seen anything that shoots like live ammo, and they've because they just shoot lasers and shit, and they've never seen anything 
that's unpiloted. They've never seen like robots before, yeah. and it turns out to be an old guy who is not part of either side, and it's and they're looking for this MacGuffin thing, and then there's like a demon thing shows up and beats the shit out of you, but then like the guy sets off this like the little bomb stone thing, the Ouroboros stone, and it turns the six characters, <laughs> the three characters from that you've been playing as, and then the three characters from the other side, they get bonded and turned into this Ouroboros team that then can like merge together and form basically Evangelion mechs. And they're sort of like, and as that brings them to the attention of this council that seems to run the world, and they make them like official enemies of everybody in the world. So you have to team up with the two teams have to team up together and get along and go on the run and like make it to this city that the the old guy tells them like they need to get to. And that's basically the first like twenty hours of the game. Like getting yeah. to that city is like a very big part of the first act and i'm like 13 hours into this game and it is still introducing new game systems same. to me i'm further like, than you and it's still introducing new stuff it's astounding like it's the same xenoblade thing that they've done for a long time which is like just system on top of system on top of system <laughs> i see fire native in chat saying that this game isn't complicated at all you are wrong this, <laughs> this, are you what are you talking about this game has it just piles system upon mm. system upon system like it's, the thing the thing is like it's like you don't really need to use all the systems but you're going to like you can like it's all there if you want to dig into it um you can also just probably get away with knowing how to break topple and days yeah. and call it a day um, cuz generally everybody tends to be especially with the bonus xp leveling up thing everybody's pretty much strong enough to fight everything you come across without a whole lot of trouble all my characters um, always level up together they're always yeah the they're same very level. they're very i don't have any characters of different levels I, mine are mine are often on here and there, but like like the three the three second group is a little behind the others. Mine are all but, caught up, but on, not in a level number, but in terms of like like they're like three hundred XP behind. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, you can swap classes between everybody. Which this game is insane. Which is like <laughs> the other characters I find are not as good at the same classes, um, and I switch them yeah. back once they max their classes so they fought, out. So they for you. The one thing about this game that's not typical of most RPGs is the flexibility in class. That's why the lower third is class warfare. You can literally, and at first they force you to change classes with your main character, mm. and like you start out and you have the iconic Xenoblade sword. They force you to change your class, and you go to this. You become like the a character that uses rings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, screw this. I hate these ring weapons. I want to go back and use a sword. I went back to change back to the sword, and all of my stats just like would have flatlined. And <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not going back to the sword. I'm going to keep using these ringlet things that they gave me. That part of it I didn't like, but the flexibility to turn any character into any class in this is something out of the ordinary. Yeah, but I, it also just makes it crazy complicated. I just switched back to Mio because she got his class. Yeah. And so that was that's the class I prefer to play. Mm -hmm. um, or the magic caster. Like, that's easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ring, the ring, the problem with the ring class is that it's actually a tank class. And like... It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it, but it is. It's a it's a draw. It's a draw tench draw aggro class, right. and like, um, it's it's ta it's not tanking that you can take a lot of damage, but it's tanking that has a ton of evasion techniques. Mm -hmm. But you early on, early on, you're not as good at it, and Noah is not the sturdiest character, so I was getting like knocked out a lot, and like they're very good at like the other characters are very good at reviving you. Um, like, uh, they're, they're, the, the healing, whoever's playing the healing class is usually pretty good at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I but I did run into the thing where like I hit a point where it, once you had all six characters, and I do actually love that all six characters are constantly active. It's I love, insane though. I like that there's no reserve party like members. I saw Sneaky in chat is like, what in the hell is going on? Because yeah, it's that's insane. True. Well, what you need to do is luckily that's I think that's why the AI of the other characters is so good. Um, is you need to basically know what your class needs to do and just do that. Yeah. Like ignore everybody else because you just you just keep on doing what you're doing, whether you're de- dealing damage or keeping the attention on you or healing and buffing everybody. Like pick that and just do that, and, I, and the AI will take care of the everything else. Everybody else is going to play pretty well, um, unless you try to tackle something that's just out of your your league. And I'll also say, if you die, it just jumps you back to the last checkpoint, and you you don't lose anything. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like the other Xenoblades. I think two was like that. I know the first one. If you died, you, it was game over. Yeah, the like checkpoints in this are very generous. Yeah, there's no penalty for death, really. And yeah. you even keep, I think, all the items you found since you since the last time you you were at that checkpoint. It's just the only thing is like you got to go back and try it again. You keep a lot of the stuff that you've collected as yeah. well. You don't lose like anything that you were grabbing off the ground. Yeah, while you're but there's just so around. much. Like here's where you see you can level up with the the bonus XP. If you look at the rest of that camp thing, there's gem crafting, there's cooking, there's you can clean their clothes because their clothes get dirty as you run around. It yeah. doesn't matter, but like yeah, if you want to, I couldn't understand why that was even in there. I'm like, I don't just, need this. Like there's already enough in this. It's game. just it's just another thing, it's just so they can get dirty on the road and like they can look like they've been traveling along. It's just detail. I do just detail for the, the sake of detail. Yeah, I do want to go back to the story before we get too far away from it. I. I am lost. Like, I have not finished all the Xenoblade games, and I really am lost at what's going on in this game still, almost 20 hours into it. The... I mean, I kind of know what's happening in terms of sort of the larger meta story of the series. In terms of the story that this specific game is telling, I still don't quite know where they're going. I, I, obviously, you've identified the bad guys. You kind yeah. of know what the situation with the two armies in the Endless War is. What are they going to do with that? I can't tell you that. I, can't I, tell, I, don't, I don't, don't know. know what their real quest and their goal is, other well, than t- to stay alive. And yeah, well, that's it. They're on the run. Yeah, like they're trying to, f- and they're trying to figure out who's messing with them. I think. Yeah, and defeat the Mobius, who are the, the yeah the Mobius are the are the bad council demon guys and you are the Ouroboros. So it's like, it's a Mobius strip versus a snake eating its own tail. Um, very subtle. Also, did you notice that um, the flame clocks where they store the energy and like it tells you how strong that colony is, right? That's their power buttons. Yeah, you have to destroy them too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but their power but like it literally looks like a power button, yeah, like yeah. A, a like with the same symbol and everything, which I think is very funny. Yeah, um, this game though, the writing in this game is good. It is. But it's ridiculous. They over explain everything they they write stuff that takes paragraphs that they could portray in a sentence (laughs) i'll be honest with you matt i skip almost all the cinematics in this game i watched the first like 10 or 15 seconds because you can get the gist of what the cinematic is going to be about and then i hold the x button and skip them i have skipped almost all of the cinematics and the story and it's because I don't even know what the hell's going on. When I do watch them, I'm like, what did I just watch? What does that mean? Who is this person? Where do they come from? What's their... I don't even... It's crazy. And it's just so overly wordy. It's like, get on with it. Like, It's still better than Persona 5 in that regard. Yeah. Persona 5 just is the same shit over and over and over again. At Maybe. least they're not explaining the literal premise of the game every cutscene, yeah. which is what Persona 5 does. This you one can I go al- back and watch some of the cutscenes if you want. This one I also enjoy because um, I just like the British voice acting. Because a, it's not the same voice actors as every other game ever. Yeah, uh, and some of some of the like some of the the some of the stuff is the most British thing you've ever heard. Like Uni in particular is like some kind of like a has like a working class British accent, and some of her. 
Like, I almost need to turn the subtitles on for some of this, because they are yeah, they, so heavy. Stick, and some of the verbiage that they use is... Some of the verbiage is odd. Also, in some of the cutscenes, like, the dialogue is mixed way too low. Yeah, it, they with, say with stuff the, like, it's a right cracker, which I understand yeah. some of that stuff, but they use other words that I don't mm-hmm. actually know what it means. <laughs> like, And the, the, the um, banter, as you're just running through the world or fighting, mm-hmm. it repeats over and over. It yeah. feels like each character has two lines that just repeat over yeah, you, and over and over. If you thought over. it's Rhine time happened a lot, yes. uh, these are you're not going to be happy with how often you hear some of these same... And I wish I could turn them off, but you can't. No, and it gets a little better once you get all six characters because then there's different people to interact <laughs> with each other. Yeah. But early on, you're just the same. It's, it's like, uh, if I need to hear Uni say that Lance would like to try something with a, a little meteor yeah, one me- more time, meteor, little meteor, and repeats over. And the other one's like, "Oh, Mimi, did you see me say I did? You look great out that." It's like, okay, yeah, my kingdom for three post-battle lines. How about for each character? How about that? Um, as you said, it is six party members, ultimately, once you get the team together. Because what happens is, you end up forming a team with people from the other side that you're supposed to be fighting against. You form an alliance to try to stay alive, basically. Because you discover that someone's trying to kill both of you. And you figure if you join forces, you have a better chance of staying alive together as a team. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, though. I never, at least so far, I've not fallen in love with any of the characters in this game. None. Like, none of them even are all that endearing to me. Um, which typically with JRPGs, I can always find at least a couple characters that I really like. But in this one, I don't, I don't know. I just there's no one that's resonating with me. I like Tyon, and I like um, I like Noah. Okay, um, but like that's the other thing is like you're sort of watching them grow personalities because yeah. they were just child Born soldiers. Like they yeah. yeah they they haven't had a chance to become themselves really. Um, Noah has more personality in the flashbacks to when they were kids, yeah. frankly. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like, you know, Lance has is, is limited, but I like, I like most of them. Like, uh, uh, Senna hasn't really had any development yet, at least in my game. Um, yeah, and I like the... the yeah, kind of, there's sort of this thing, because they're the two that are the off-seers, like, kind of this inherent understanding that, like... Um, you know what they do is important, and but they don't really know why. They just know that that's how they feel. Like, like at one point, Noah, like they're like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you being weird?" And he's like, "I don't know how to feel." Yeah, and like that's kind of the problem they all have, just inherent. And I think that's intentional. I don't think that's yeah. a writing error. Um, but you either find that interesting or frustrating. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, right now, I find it interesting. If it goes on for another fifteen hours, I might start to find it frustrating. I will, like, I will flat out say this is absolutely more the Xenoblade game I wanted instead of two. Yeah. Like this is so far beyond Xenoblade two in just about every respect. Um, I'm very happy with it in that regard. Is it on par with Xenoblade one? I mean, I think combat and like you know, like gameplay wise in terms of the combat system and all the stuff they're cramming in here, I think it all gels better than than a lot of what you know like. Like, I don't feel like it has the problem that Xenoblade 1 had where it's, like, um, the side quests are so pointless side quests that, like, better here. you need to just, like, stop doing them. Or you'll never finish Xenoblade 1 if you don't just yeah, start yeah. ignoring the request stuff. Well, that's how you get extra characters in this, is in yeah. the side quests. Yeah. It's like, you saw Ethel, or what's her name? Ethel. Ethel. Yeah. Um, earlier in the B-roll, that's how you get her. You go on a side quest, you end up saving her yeah. colony... I mean, that's a big part of the game, too, is the colonies in the game. Yeah, early on, you're like, because that's one of the things about the, the, the playing the soldiers into the afterlife. You gain uh, uh, 
um, reputation with the side they're from. Right. And early on, you're like, well, everybody hates me. Who cares what right, side? Right. Like, but eventually, that becomes much more important. As like you sort of like you slowly sort of clear your name with certain factions, and you can like you know get assistance and help from them. Like it, it's so big. Like there's so it much stuff in this game, and like every time you think you know, you know, okay, I get it. Was there? It's like here's a whole other like combat system element. Like here's the chain attack thing, which and like here's the here yeah, which is also really cool. I, I really like that because that becomes like a weird math puzzle. Because you can that in the prior games, yeah, but not quite the same way. Yeah, um, I feel like it just slows things down, and the the end result isn't as powerful as I think it's going to be. Oh, I don't know, but I I think the animation on it is is unimpressive. Like the it just takes too long to get through it. But you do like eighty thousand damage. Yeah, like it's if it, you, you manage to chain them. If you can right. chain them together right, and that's what I mean, like a math puzzle, because you got to get it over a hundred percent to. Uh, be able to reactivate to somebody, yeah. and but then like there's certain characters, a lot of the powerful characters will limit to 99 percent right. on their turn. So you have to make sure there's somebody else who can put it over that. But then that you have enough characters left once the reactivation it's happens like to get puzzle. it back to over 100 percent, and slowly that becomes easier as everybody kind of levels their things up. But I really enjoy that, and I love that like you know that's how you can do half half of all bosses damage to them. But like when you do it, like when you finish it. Like everybody's little individual moves, then it goes over 100, percent and then like the character you pick to do the big move does the big move. But I have yet to see one of the big moves have a satisfying animation yeah, sequence. They, like they just sort of end. Yeah, or just one slash yeah. or whatever. Like it, two slashes, and then like or like like Uni, I use a lot because I, I like the 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 status effect it does. Yeah. But she like hits him twice with like the little card yeah. attack thing, and then just. And then That's it. Damage. And it's just done. Yeah, it's like so. I think yeah. those attacks should be like a little more dramatic. Agreed. But yeah. I do like that. Like that's just and also because like after like that after constantly hammering away on this guy with all six of your characters over and like just like it's nice to do something else it after is, like yeah. three minutes. You know, like um, well, there also the is other else. the other thing that would annoy me that annoys me repeatedly is like you do have the thing where you do your 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 auto attacks and then you can combo that into your arts and then as you do that. You build up charge for your big, you know, your super move, your better, your super art, your ultra master art, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two different, you know, the 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 guys like in the uh, where that wear black. Those characters classes rebuild their arts by time. It just over time they they you know cool down. Mm-hmm. And the other side, the white armor side classes, uh, you rebuild your arts by doing combos. Basically, like mm-hmm. they, you, they they fill up faster if you've chained things. Um, so you can chain a regular attack into an art, and then from that art, you can chain that into your super art. But the super art can miss, and I hate that. Well, I don't know like, if I've ever seen that happen. I have seen the I, super art. Has, sometimes it's hard to tell whether you miss or not because so much There's shit happens. There's so much happening. But I've missed with that like kind of moon arc slash thing yeah. a lot, like several times, especially huh. like with agile and airborne enemies. And I'm like, I should never miss with that. Yeah. Like I, I spent almost a minute building that up, yeah, yeah. and like you're only going to get to do it in once during most battles. It you can have it do less or more damage or get like mitigated, but miss no. Like yeah. that's that's horribly unsatisfying. I don't think that should happen. There's another layer to the combat. Where you can transform, they're called right. Ouroboros transformations, and that's where interlinks. Two, that's where two of the characters become this kind of big mech. Yeah, they become an Evangelion mech, basically. basically. And then you have a whole other set of attacks that you can use yeah. with that new transformation. It's and, just yeah. insane. And then they give you a whole skill tree for each one. Each one separate. I'm like, man, it just doesn't end. It, it just the well just keeps going down. and like i'm kind of like partly delighted by that and partly just like overwhelmed by yeah. it it's like both at, there's at 23 once. total classes in the game um when you go to the menu for your character menu there's your class that you can mess with there's arts 
skills, gems, accessories, and then the interlinked stuff, which is mm -hmm. the Ouroboros transformations we just mentioned. Um, you do unlock master arts throughout the game. Yep. Those can be used by pretty much any character. Yeah, and you can, you, if you've mastered skills and arts in one class, you can then equip one of those to another class. When right. you can switch class, you can use the the stuff you've mastered in that class, and you start with only one, but as you level up, you can have up to three arts yep. from, and skills from another class plugged into the other class you play. It's, it's just insane. There's a lot. It's, it's there's a lot to play with. And look, you, we look, we play games a lot. It takes something special to overwhelm you and I, Matt. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this game has overwhelmed me. I wouldn't say I'm overwhelmed by it, but it's just like it sure is everything. Like they've taken everything they've done and learned in the first three games they've made and crammed them all into this one. And for the most part, I think it gels. Yeah. Um but and and also and because you do wrap your head around it. I'm not yeah, and also because like but. you can get through it without utilizing all of these systems to their absolute utmost efficiency. Like yeah. like you're gonna get stuff done faster and more efficiently if you understand and are using those things optimally. But if you're just like doing co basic combos with with your characters and pulling up the chain link system and and merging when you can, you're gonna get through it. Like even if you're not playing it like max. Because I'll look the only times I've had like really bad battles that have gone poor is when I accidentally drew too many enemies out to me in the field or when I tried Which to fight when I tried easily. to fight like a named or elite enemy that was not quite you know could do some stuff anything with an area of attack that's equal to my level that's a named enemy has beat me basically yeah. but like story you stuff one shot too just accidentally like a really high level enemy oh yeah they're, they're wandering around yeah. and they'll just one shot you and yeah. you just die Sto story <laughs> stuff like I have always found very manageable yeah yeah like you'll, you'll be up no you'll be up against like this like guy who's like portrayed as like a whore you know the cutscenes portray him as like this ultimate power thing and you're like nah we're gonna beat this guy like, it's, it's fine yeah. it's no problem yeah, the, the difficulty of the stuff that you have to beat in this game is not tough at yeah all. which is cool like i'm fine yeah. with that i'm like, fine with like kind of letting me keep progressing and if i want to have a challenge i can do that or if i clearly the 14 story tall <laughs> monster that's level 85 in the third area i need to come back and deal with later but that's just xenoblade yeah you know and i also love that um they've expanded the draw distance on look, this here, one a right lot. here's the trees we were talking there's, about there's this the, is just for the, the interlink tree. transformations look how big that tree is uh, and there's three different ones. I love that the, uh, the the draw distance on this has been expanded tremendously. Like you yeah. can see some of those big dangerous enemies like oh, miles oh, away. away. Yeah. Like you see them walk, and like that adds like you know that's one of my favorite things about this series that I think two failed at to a large degree is these big areas, these big interconnected worlds, these places where you look around and it looks like there's like a you know like a, almost like a biology like a, an environment happening. Yeah. And they get that here, and like you see like. There's different animals that don't like each other, and you'll feel fine fights between them. And then you, sometimes you can side with them, like decide well, yeah. which one you want to side with and get rewards for that. It's, well, going it's back cool. to the whole colonies thing, sometimes you come across skirmishes out in the open world, mm -hmm. and they ask you, do you want to join this skirmish? Which side will you take? And a lot of that, a lot of times those decisions will be, if you choose this one side, this helps one colony. If you mm -hmm. choose the other side, it helps the other colony. But sometimes you're just deciding between giant frogs and small rabbits. And usually I just but, run away then. <laughs> well, I take what, I want the reward. <laughs> I want that coin. Yeah, I did it. I don't know why the rabbits have a coin, but I'm going to take the coin. <laughs> and then the colonies actually in, in, impact the game because you get passive buffs that you can choose from based upon which colonies you're helping and which level you're mm -hmm. at with these colonies. So they're just, it's just system piled upon system, piled upon system, piled upon system. It just goes on and on. Um, you mentioned side quests, way better in this. Oh yeah. 
it's night and day compared to the, the last couple games that I've played where the side quests were almost all fetch quests. Um, again, as I... Yeah, they've actually finally put some story in the side quests. Yeah, and as we said earlier, you unlock playable characters in the side quests as well. Um, that's how you get and add characters yeah. to your party beyond the six that are just there yeah, by they, the they, The side quests in this generally, once you get past like, kind of the opening stuff that's sort of teaching you how it works, the side quests, once you get to the meat of it, like they all feel very worth doing. Yeah. Which is a welcome change considering what game the, the game they started with. Yep. Um... Graphically, I mean, you guys are seeing it in our B-roll. It looks good. Yeah, for a Switch game, it looks real nice. Ground textures, definitely an eyesore for yeah. the most part. Every once in a while, in a cutscene or something, they get a little too close to like a table or something. You're like, mm, no, yeah. you shouldn't have shown me that. I Don't mean, do that. we all know that the Switch is yeah, really overdue for a refresh at this point. I mean, would so. I love to see what this would look like on a PS5? Absolutely. Yeah. Is that going to happen? No. no. It's fine. Yeah, you don't it's forget fine. that Nintendo owns Monolith Soft. This is yeah. one of Nintendo's One of, one of their most shrewd purchases, I would Smart say. Purchase. Between the these games, which they don't have an equivalent for in their in their lineup, otherwise, and the help Monolith has provided on the Zelda games, like I think Monolith's one of their best buys in forever. Yep. Um, overall impressions, I'll, I'll say this, Matt. I did feel a lot of the time playing this that this game was made for thirteen-year-old boys. I mean, I think I you're. I do not feel like I fell into the demo for this. I think you are. Like I, I said earlier, I, not on on the air, but I, I this is. You know the people who make this game are like our age and a little older, and I think they are basically making what they would like to see. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, like you need to make games for 13 year old boys. But I did feel a lot of times like watching cinematics, and I, I just like like I'll say this: this game embarrassed me a few times playing it around my wife. But I bet it embarrassed you a lot less than two did. It did absolutely. Yeah. But there were still moments in this where my wife would like do whiplash and look at the TV and be like, what did they just say? What did they just do? Why is that girl dressed like that? Like, there are moments in this where they're cringy, I guess is oh, the yeah. best way I can put it. I mean, it's a JRPG. It is. And there's cringe. There's JRPG cringe in yeah, this. Yeah, there will always... I mean, that's just part of the... Part of the job. You have to find a JRPG where the cringe doesn't make you cringe too hard. Yeah. And for me, that 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 is this game and the first game uh, is not... The second one, and to some degree, not X. Yeah. X is also kind of Saturday, you know, kind of syndicated afternoon anime yeah. tone, more than the others, I would yeah. say. But where the rubber hits the road with the combat in this, I feel like it yeah. does get a, even further away from kind of the MMO style combat that the first couple games in the series was really known for. Yeah, it this, feels less MMO y to yeah, me. Yeah, this really feels like they are finally nailing what they've always been trying to make. Yeah. Um, and that's good. I'm, I'm very pleased with it as a fan of the first game i feel like it's a return to form um it's the it's certainly the best jrpg experience i've had since tales of arise mm. um which also sort of was a bit of a reinvention and had kind of this combat system that you could really dig into yeah. if you wanted to um yeah I'm, ha I'm happy with also i can't believe they made it as fast as they did it's insane like, i don't know how and look, we're and it's a lot. Like reports this, it's, say, this game is 120 hours yeah, long. Yeah, I believe it. Like we have, we've only played like 15 percent of it. Mm -hmm. So who knows what happens later on down the road? Are you going to continue playing this, man? I'm going to try. I mean, I, I I worry about this game being like kind of the thing where it's like I got to keep playing stuff to keep up with them to talk about them on this show, right. and like this game kind of would end up falling by the wayside. And this, I, this is absolutely one of those games where you don't play it for a couple weeks and you go back to it and you're like I don't remember how to do anything oh, anymore because it's in, there's so many systems to remember yeah. how they work, and, and you end up just going back and playing something simpler. And, yeah, um, it depends. Like I'm not 100 percent sure what's coming out in the next week. Um, I will pl play more 
I yeah. know. I'm like not I'm gonna keep. It. I'm gonna keep going just because I don't. I don't know where they're going. Yeah. I want to know if we hit a point where I either no longer care about what they're doing or I figure out what's happening. I think is dumb. I might, you know, kind of peter out on it. But right now, I'm just like, no, nah, I don't know what they're gonna. I don't know where they're going with this, and I'd like to see. What if liberal hack asks this game or Tales of Arise? If you can only play one, this one for me. Me too. Um, and I, I didn't I, play a ton of Tales of Arise, but yeah. I just. I think if anything, the value that you're going to get out of mm-hmm. this game. I mean, Tales like, of Arise isn't short it's either. It's not short either. But yeah. I like this one. Um, uh, I like this one because I like the first Xenoblade a lot. I feel like I can connect with it a little more. Yeah, and the combat works better. And again, I cannot emphasize how much I like that all six of them fight at once. Yeah. Like, I've always di- sort of disliked the whole couple you know you're on a quest to save the world or or your life or both and two of us are just going to hang around and do nothing kind of thing at least tales of arise sort of solves that by having the two who aren't out on the field able to jump in and do like a little quick like combo booster move like like i can marvel versus capcom too yeah um but this one solves it by just having everybody out at once and i think it works great yeah um who is that dracomium asks would i get this or xenoblade one definitive edition I wouldn't play this without playing Xenoblade 1 first. I, so I played Xenoblade 1 Definitive Edition, and I really liked it. Like, if you go back and watch the game phase where we discussed it, I liked it a lot. I would argue I like this more. Um, I've mm-hmm. already played this more than I played the Definitive mm-hmm. Edition. I think I like uh, this less than the first game over. I guess the first oh. game is the first game because I like the tone of the first game. Okay. The tone of the first game is not afternoon anime. Yeah. The tone of the first game is pretty solid sci fantasy epic. Um, it doesn't really do, you know, no one's wearing starter jackets. Yeah. You know, nobody's <laughs> running around like with the weird modern slang. No, it doesn't have like as many Yeah, not as much weird slapstick with the no, no pawns and yeah. stuff like that. Um, also, the, the Nopon uh, Riku, who's with your the first team, that is not what I thought that character was going to sound like yeah. when he started talking. <laughs> like, that was There's not... There's also tons of voice acting in this. Oh, yeah. Almost oh, yeah. every... Even the side quests are all voice acted. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's a lot of work, and it's it's an impressive achievement, but it is ultimately still a JRPG at heart. So, yeah. just keep that in mind. I think... I, I have a fondness for the first one just because it was a revelation at the time. It was... You know, I think it's probably the best JRPG of that generation. Yeah. Um, which was the Wii. And we almost never got to play it. Yeah. And, yeah, and it only came here because people yelled about it, and then they made it a GameStop exclusive that no one even told anybody about, and then Reggie had the nerve to say that we didn't buy it. I'm like, right. well, I bought four of them, <laughs> motherfucker. People so, didn't buy it, though. No, because no one knew it was, it was there. Yeah, it was weird. And uh, it was not advertised. It was, it was yeah. just, you know, and it only happened because it came out in the Europe, and they already had the English localization for the UK. Yeah, otherwise. Which is why it's all British voice actors, <laughs> which is great because, again, they've continued that trend, which I like, because it makes this game... This series sound different from all the other series. Like yeah. you don't just get the same anime dub people over and over again, like in the other games, yeah. like in a lot of other games. Even Tales of Arise is the problem because it's all the same. It's the usual suspects. There's like three main anime dub agencies, and you just get the same lineup for each one. And this one doesn't have the problem. It's just you know, I'm not saying they're unknown actors. They're all, they're, from what I can tell, most of them are either well-known TV people or like stage actors, you know, working stage actors. Which is one reason they can deliver this stuff better than a lot of other people could, because um, stage actors can make anything work pretty yeah. much, um, and that's why that's why you will you will notice if you watch the Star Wars prequels, uh, all the best performances are from British stage actors. Yeah, because they can do anything. If you can they sell can, it on stage. Yeah, because like they're like, oh, we're in a green screen thing saying ridiculous stilted dialogue. That yeah, I can do that. <laughs> it's my game. Looking at you, Christopher Lee. Yeah. 
So should people buy this mat? Um, if you like Xenoblade, absolutely. Yeah. That's probably the way I would put it too. And I think if you're a fan of JRPGs, you should buy it too. Yeah. Although again, if you're a fan of J if you're a fan of JRPGs, why haven't you played Definitive Edition of That's the true. first one? Like you should start I with that. That as well. You yeah. play that, and I can't, in good conscience, recommend the second one. But this one, this believe it or not, and you may not know it when you're early play, but this game is very much following up on the events of one and two, even though it's clearly a different world. But it's mm -hmm. a different world because of the events of one and two. I believe there's like there's like the, the there's annihilation that you see like that part of the mountain disappear in, in that opening thing. Like I'm pretty sure those are the two universes of one and two colliding and causing like like an antimatter explosion kind of thing. Um, the 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 people with the wings on their head from two are suddenly in the same world as characters from the yeah. first. Like I think this is uh, two universes mushed together as the results of one and two that are going to have to like kind of re reconcile. Because like believe me, one and two go places you do not think they're going. Mm -hmm. And well, and the games are 100 hours long. Yeah, they have There's to. a lot of places they have to go. <laughs> um, you end up some places in Xenoblade Chronicles 1 that you really wouldn't think you would at the beginning of that game. Yeah. Um, and this one kind of seems to be My guess is probably now. the same thing. Yeah, I would think so. These guys are, and even just like, so, also if you're a fan of the old Xenogears and uh, Xenosaga games, which I am not, I don't like those games very much, but there are definite connections here, vague ones, because they don't own the rights they to those games. Yeah, but like, there's some symbol, symbols that are the same, same Xenoblade 2, uh, the the symbol on Pyro, Pyra's chest is the is the is the what you know it represents the AIs that that the gods quote unquote of these worlds in Xeno, Xenoblade uh, were using these AIs. Uh, it's the same symbol as the big monolith in the Xenosaga games that is found by an archaeologist in the early 1900s in Zeno, the opening scene of Xenosaga, and it is mentioned in Xenoblade that that those. I, those artifacts were found on Earth in another universe in the early night. So it's clearly connecting there. The bad guys in this, especially the main bad guy, the armor he wears is very reminiscent of Graf, a bad guy from Xenogears. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some references here. Tenuous. To, Monolith has been trying to tell this story for 25 <laughs> damn years, and they are going to get there if it kills them. So. Even if it takes 600 hours between yeah. all the games. Even as someone who did not like <laughs> Xenogears or the Xenosaga games, I appreciate the hustle. Also, the music in this game is great. It is great. Um, yeah. The music in the Monolith games have always been great. Even, you know, Xenogears I do not like, but it just has one of the best soundtracks of the PS1 era. Um, the otherwise, the audio the park. Is, so I, I always start capturing with the music turned down so that you can mm -hmm. edit with the footage later if you need it for other edits. And uh, if there is no music in this game, there is no audio in this game most of the yeah. time. Literally, like in cutscenes, there's no ambient sound like at all like there's no sound of the wind there's no sound of like animals or crickets chirping or anything it is just bone mm -hmm. silent most of the time and there and the chat's asking about how it runs it runs great it never really never really chugs my and you got yeah. all six characters and all these creatures everywhere mono no wonder monolith got brought in on the zelda thing like the, yeah. like this game like the fact this game looks as good as it does and runs as well as it does on the switch all these years after the switch like yeah, like yeah. as Vincent says, the monolith softer wizards. Yeah. Like those guys are really good at what they do. Yeah. So, technically speaking, the, uh, yeah. the you could drop the anime stuff even down a little more for the yeah, next you, one, guys. There's like, still ways to go, I think. Yeah. Honestly, but look, if you're looking for a good JRPG, this is it, and yeah. it's going to be worth every penny you spend on it because it is gigantic. And what else are you playing until September anyway? I'm really starting right? to wonder. Yeah, like I you're. Mean, ba if, we're waiting for Saints you Row at this point. Dossier for August. You're really we're basically really waiting on Saints Row at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's like five or six decent games 
in the next month, but it's yeah. a far cry from what it should. And be. that's a good point from Andy T. Monahan. This game was supposed to come out later. They moved it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still in this condition. I don't know how they got it done. Unbelievable. That's the amount of work it is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. The Xenoblade Chronicles 3, again, is a Switch exclusive, and it probably will always be. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, un- until they do a definitive edition for, like, the Switch 2 or something. Yeah. yeah, or something like that. Yep. Okay. Let's move Which on. Which they will charge full price for. Yeah. We're going to talk next about the other big game that came out this week, and by come out, maybe I'm stretching the use of that phrase a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about Multiversus. It is a Super Smash Brothers clone set in the, I don't know if this is correct to say, in the Warner Brothers universe. Yeah, like the Warner Brothers IP-iverse, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, IP-verse. I mean, they don't own Lord of the Rings or Game of yeah. Thrones or anything. They just have the rights to them. Do you think eventually this game's going to run into issues because the rights will expire? Probably. I mean, not any times. I mean, maybe they signed for perpetuity or no. I mean, work no, because that's just not really a thing with with licenses, uh, especially with licenses that are held as tightly as things like Game of Thrones or um, uh, Lord of the Rings. But I would argue that Warner Brothers would never let those licenses go. Yeah. So it's probably fine. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of other stuff in it that they own outright, like the DC stuff and mm-hmm. and the War- the Hanna Barbera stuff. But like. Um, no, I, I'm, but you know who knows? Like there may come a time when LeBron right. can't can't be used in the game anymore. You know, because I imagine that's a human being who could probably decide he doesn't want to renew a license with them, and then you have to take LeBron out of the game. And with a game like this, it's pretty easy to just remove a fighter. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's not a domino that's going to affect other parts yeah. of the game. At really. the same time, I think um, you know you could probably put a clause in there that like you know if the, the license runs out, we don't have to remove this from the game. But like if we ever put the game out on a different platform, we'd have to take it out, kind yeah. of thing. You know, because um, I feel like you know I feel like Nintendo covers that on the Smash. You know, there's clearly characters they license for Smash Brothers, but like we've never lost a character from Smash Brothers because of the license right. issue. So I imagine yeah. that there's something in there that says we get to use this forever. But if we do a major refresh reboot sequel, we have to renegotiate the the terms for that particular game. Yeah. Um, so as we said, Multiverses is a Smash Brothers clone with Warner Brothers characters. It is. A, it truly is a shameless Smash Brothers. Clone oh yeah, it's it's very much what it is. Not only does it look like Smash, it plays almost exactly like Smash. Yeah, there's there's a, there's some pretty significant differences in terms of the base mechanics, especially how often you can jump in midair and how you know that yeah. kind of thing. Um, how they handle like and the team stuff like is a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot more co-op oriented because there's usually everybody has at least one uh, move that benefits their teammate right as well as you, you know, can also save them. your teammates you can tether to yeah. them if they're falling off the stage and, and in fact the, the one original character is specifically for that right like, like she, the, that whatever that whatever thing that thing is, is <laughs> like yeah it can it can just like grab uh, your teammate and pull them up and you can like tether them while they intentionally jump off. Yeah. the stage and they hit things and hit, do a combo and then you can pull them back it's so a, they don't fall mechanic. to their death it's a useful mechanic. like it's pretty cool like the wonder woman can do that to some degree too um yeah. there's a lot of neat stuff in it i got i got I, I guess it's it's not i mean it is a smash brothers ripoff but like it's not like a cheap one it's yeah. not it's not it, it, i was it's i was very game. surprised by how like they didn't just replicate the gameplay they replicated a lot of the depth yeah. in terms of how they play and i and the other thing i will say as a as a fighting game person um the net code in this is phenomenal. It really is. Like playing this game online, it's like butter. Like feel doesn't feel any different yeah. a lot of time. Like I was amazed Me at how too. good the net code was on this. So this is a free to play game. That's why I said coming out might not be the right way to describe. I it. I mean, they they want you to spend eighty bucks on unlocking shit. It's, uh, it's an open. It's the an founders open pack stuff. Yeah, but. it's an open beta right now. Anybody can download it and play it, and it's it's available for pretty much every platform. 
Um, when you start out, and again, it's free to play. I'll just remind you of that. When you start out, the initial set of characters is pretty lame. Mm-hmm. There's just four. Yeah, what is it? Uh, it's Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, Shaggy. Uh, Shaggy. The one the girl guy, from, the girl from uh, from is. Steven Universe yeah, is that, Garnet is that where she comes from yeah that's Gar- Garnet from <laughs> Steven no Universe idea. like who is this character and is it the Superman I think yeah, yeah I think Superman it's the fourth yeah. one yep um, and then it takes like an hour or two to unlock the next character it took yeah. me almost two hours of play to unlock although they one. do have they have the thing where it's like it's like League of Legends where like there's I think two or three rotating yeah, they give you. They, they're going to give you freebies yeah. over time. Um, I think. Well, I think Superman is the freebie right now. Oh, he he's is? one of the freebies. So really, right you now. only have three free characters to start. I think it's actually two. I think you get Wonder oh, Woman really? and Shaggy. <laughs> I believe it's just Wonder Woman, and Shaggy, and then and then the two that are free to play right now are Superman and the Steven Universe character. Okay, there are seventeen fighters total, um, including Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Shaggy, Tom and Jerry, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, the Iron Giant, which I thought is a really cool addition. Bugs Bunny, Velma from Scooby-Doo, Taz, Garnet, the character that you mentioned who I had no idea who she was, Harley Quinn, LeBron James, Finn, Jake, Steven Universe, and then the character that was created specifically for this game, which is called Rain Dog. Rain Dog. <laughs> rain Dog. Like a reindeer. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that and character, I actually enjoyed playing with the character. The yeah. design itself is really weird. Really odd. <laughs> they're not afraid to break the mold on some of these. <laughs> um, and there's more coming. There's a, there was a data mine that pulled out a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? And uh, Vincent the most interesting one that they've pulled out was Ted Lasso. Oh, really? That's so. kind of cool. Vincent's saying that Eleven from Stranger Things is rumored. That's one of the rumors, yeah. And, and also, cause problems. There's also, rumor, there's also rumors of Matrix, like the Neo. Oh, really? Because they own them. They, right? they, well, yeah. the, the, the fucking droogs from Clockwork Orange could go in this thing if they wanted to. They own that. Yeah. They were in Space Anyone who's in Space Jam 2 could be in this game. Yeah. That's what we're saying, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, each character you can assign four different perks to. Uh, perks are like buffs. And this is one part where it is a little pay-to-win freemium. Because you can pay for the perks with real money if you want to, but you can also earn them just by playing through the game if you want to. But obviously, yeah. it's much easier. And they don't seem to really make that much difference. Like I've played, it'll like add seven percent damage to something, yeah. things like that. But it is, it does affect like what your characters, the damage that your characters do in the game. And anytime that happens, that's a red flag to me, honestly. Yeah, I haven't seen it be much of an issue, but like obviously, the later ones could become more of an issue. Yep. Um, three of the perks are for attributes, and the fourth is a signature perk that modifies your existing abilities. And I do think overall they add strategy, but there is a chance that they could unbalance the game against noobs. So sometimes with free-to-play games, you have to take a little bit of this, I think, Matt. I think it's a mental contract that we make with ourselves, and you're like, you know what? I didn't pay a penny for this, so mm-hmm. I'm willing to accept a little bit of the payola stuff, honestly, if I don't have to pay- spend anything to play a game. But... Some games step over the line a little bit. So far, it doesn't feel like this one really does. At least to but me, it's, it does But it's early days. It so. is still early. You're right. And they could change that overnight. They could make one yeah. tweak, and everything could be different. Um, you can play it 1v1, 2v2, or you can play it in like a four-player like Battle Royale where it's everyone for themselves. As Matt said, the focus of this game is the team-based mode. Yeah, it seems very two. much built to play 2v2. That's what Warner Brothers Games is pushing for esports as well, is the 2v2 mode. Um, how do you think that esports are, are going to react to that? Do you think they're going to be cool with the team mode? Or I don't know. You- it's, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic because, like, the idea of having to have to have two players be a permanent team with each other is an interesting change to how you know because fighting game competition, you know, 
pro fighting game stuff does tend to be pretty individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think that's an interesting idea. Um, the question becomes, will the community like right. go for it? Will they do it? Um, and I, I will say, like everybody, you know, most a lot of the people in the fighting game world, um, you know, they, there are close enough friendships that I feel I could see like some a lot of the big guys kind of teaming up together, and it would make for some. It would be like, yeah, to me, it seems like a potential for like almost like a drama, like in tag team wrestling. Yeah. You know, like teams breaking up and getting back together and all that. <laughs> like you could do some fun stuff with that if you wanted to play it up. Well, to your point. Like the netcode in this is so good that you could legitimately train with a partner online and then meet up for in-person tournaments and still and play well. So there's a barrier there, I think, psychologically with esports, but I do think that practically there's a way to make it happen to where mm-hmm. the people who are who well, participate. And also yeah. remember that, like the 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 thing, the problem with having having to play online largely has been mitigated by the lockdown and the. Like people just sort of get used to and realize, yeah. like, it kind of is better than nothing, sort of thing. Yeah. So it's been an adjustment, but I think a lot of people are kind of okay with it. And this is, I mean, look, this thing nine times out of ten, the match felt like it was in the same room. Yeah, like I it, I'm very impressed by the, uh, by the net right code in this game. You. I thought the net code was great. Um, four players can play locally, but the customization for the matches is really limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, where Smash was really born, which was the couch play with four players. That option isn't great here. Obviously, they have the opportunity to improve with improve that over time. Um, as far as the actual combat in the game is concerned, I think it's great. Yeah. There are normal and special attacks, and then the move, the actual moves that you perform are determined by the direction you're holding the analog stick. It's very simple. I found it very intuitive. I felt comfortable right away. Mm-hmm. I literally felt like after I played this for 30 seconds, I was on it. Like, I knew yeah. I was able to save myself from falling off ledges almost immediately. I think it's muscle memory from playing Smash. Yeah, a lot of it is if you played Smash, you have an inherent advantage here. It's, yeah. It's, which is fine. It's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's almost a compliment to it. Yeah. That, it that, the, that the skills would transfer that way is like kind of saying you did it right. Because um, I played plenty of Smash, like certainly playing PlayStation All Stars didn't feel like that. Nope. It felt like you were playing in mud. No. Um, and the Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl doesn't feel that way. No, either. not at all. Yeah. And this, like, the first so the first game I played was kind of like, okay, I think I get it. I don't know. I'll try again. I'll you know do a second matchup with this t- this same group. Uh, that was Wonder Woman. And second matchup, I got all four kills on my team, mm. and I was like, oh, I get it. Like it was yep. just it was like a. Well, the second after match, it fir- just clicked. I, I did not finish first. My first match, I finished first in everyone after that. Yeah, it's like it was. It was like it was a quick click, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, okay, I see." I started getting it very quickly. Like um, I, I very quickly started to think about like buying other characters mm-hmm. because I, I and so I just went into the lab and which is the the training mode and just played. Uh, you know, I tried Batman and Superman and and uh, Iron Giant and stuff, and I th- in the end I pretty much stuck with Wonder Woman. Like, uh, like I, I, I like around. Wonder Woman. I felt good playing with almost all of them. I thought all the characters brought something different, but still felt similar enough yeah. that I didn't feel like I was at a disadvantage. I also, I also felt like the, the when you scroll across them on the character select screen, it'll tell you like which ones are like beginner, recommend or recommended yeah. or like advan- or expert. And for the most part, I found that to be true. Like what, um, here's the thing though with playing Aria requires you to know a lot more about how the game systems works than like yeah. Shaggy or or uh, the one issue though is if you were to try to play this one v one is there are some characters that are made to be support characters yeah to have a partner Wonder Woman's one of them yeah Wonder Woman has one move that is is very just a shield yeah and it, it applies to her but it also yeah. applies to your your teammate it's more useful if you can put it on two characters yeah obviously. so there may be a rub there with trying to get this to work one v one. 
Let's see. There's double jumps. Dodges. Is that in Smash? I don't think there are dodges in Smash. Like yeah. The, where you go into the screen and dodge. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not exactly, but like they, uh, yeah, if you, if you tap the button, like usually in midair or not moving, they will, they do like a, a, like a, like a side slide thing. Yeah. That's in the game as well. Um, as we mentioned, you can tether to teammates to pull them back from falling off the edge. There are wall slides and jumps instead of ledge grabs to save yourself. And actually, I think this system works better. It's easier, yeah. Yeah, it's easier to manage. So once your character... Gets I've saved game, myself from stuff in this game that I would have been dead four times over in Smash, Smash. Brothers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Are, are you cool with that change? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, what happens is like it's like it's like never going to be it's never going to be um i think seen as such as a high stakes high skill game in the same way that smash yeah. is because of that but i'm fine with that because i'm not trying to play that yeah i'm you know? not trying to be a pro smash player either i liked it it's like the characters they slide down the wall and give you and you can actually hold up and they will keep from sliding will just stick to the wall mm-hmm. so there's actually a couple times where i like use like superman and just clung to the wall and just started using his eye lasers to just sweep the whole battlefield. And then people let me do it a couple of times. They're like, oh, wait a minute. This guy's just staying there. And then they jumped up and knocked me off. It adds a whole other layer of, of strategy to this, just like the edge grabs do in Smash. Because the edge grabs in Smash aren't just the edge grabs. There's this whole series of mechanics built around that, as far as coming back up off the ledge or being the person who's trying to keep the character from coming up off the ledge. Um, I don't know that this system is quite as deep, but I'm cool with it. Like, again, like you, I'm not trying to, like, become eSports god with this game. Um, Drifter J says in chat, if you play local, all fighters are unlocked. I did not realize that. Yeah, only online do you have to unlock the yeah, characters. That's, that's, that's cool. If you want a chance to kind of fiddle with the characters before if you want to pay real money to unlock one, that's a good way to go and kind of try yeah. them out. Or if you have a group that plays Smash and you just want to play this together, you yeah, don't have to don't pay have to for the extra characters. Yep, yeah, that's great. Um... One thing I would say is there aren't as many on stage moments or like random items just being thrown on no, the map. No, yeah, the, the stages are not as there's, also because there's only five. Yeah, also because like the um, you know the use of items like Smash kind of you know per, Smash tourneys sort of like outlawed that anyway, so it's not mm-hmm. really an element anymore. Yeah, I feel like it's still in Smash Brothers because it's just always been part of Smash Brothers, but like I don't think that's something that you need to replicate because it's just something people are going to turn off. Well, there's no support characters either, which mm-hmm. is a bit, and I think they put that in Smash just so they could get more IP into the game without having to create a full-fledged character. Yeah, well, I also think they put it in there so people would shut up Maybe. <laughs> about asking for different characters. Right, right. So it's an easy way to add a character without actually really yeah. adding a character. Yeah, and There's they don't... nothing like that in this. Yeah, they don't need to worry about that here. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're not dealing with a roster the way Nintendo... I mean, they, are, they do have a huge roster, but it's like... Is everyone going to be really clamoring to get Boromir in this game? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you don't really need to worry about that. Yeah. Um... And what else? Um, the the levels. There's five of them, which is insane that there's only five. And of those five, there's really only two good ones. The mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo Mansion is cool because it has, like, the trap doors. And you never know if the, the floor is going to fall out from underneath you. Um, and then the Bat Cave is another good one because there's some interactivity in that with, like, all the gadgets in there. But the other three are like this. are just this generic, like, map. Yeah, these are pretty standard, like, Smash levels, really. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, to me, the stages are probably the weakest part of the game, or the most lacking. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another thing that can change. Yep, very easy. easy, well, easy not easy, but like they can definitely add more. Yeah, and I imagine they will. I can't imagine you don't do a Lord of the Rings stage or yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones stage. You know, Game of Thrones stage, people will eat it up. People will pay for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Although you can't really do Rick it with and Morty stages. stage. Yeah, well, I think these are treehouses in here, isn't it? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think you could do a lot more with Rick Something and Morty more than that. Yeah. Um, now, we talked about how the netcode is buttery smooth, and I had that experience, but I also had trouble connecting to games. Did you have this issue? No. I did. Like, it got to the point where, and I was playing on PS5, I don't know if that, if that matters, but it got to the point where I yeah, almost had to restart the game hmm. if I jumped out of a session. So, once I got a session, and you're playing, you can keep choosing to play with the same group of people, and that always worked. If I decided to leave the group of people and start fresh, I could never connect to a game. And I would have to close out the game and start it over again. Hmm. I don't know why that was happening to me. No, it never happened to me. Yeah, but I was having problems with the PlayStation version. So, I don't know. Vincent's saying there's a problem with the cross-play. I don't know if that... I do have cross-play enabled. I don't know if that's affecting it. But I did have some issues with that, and they need to fix it. Um... PC already has 60,000 players playing online. It's the biggest fighting game ever on Steam, Matt. Wow. So, again, there's no weight problems finding people to match up with. It's just will the game actually, for me, will the game actually set off once you've connected with those players was the issue that I had. But, yeah, it is the like the biggest fighting game in the history of PC gaming, Matt. Can you believe that? Yeah. It's pretty I mean, amazing. Fighting games have never been huge on PC. but Yeah, yeah. It's a low bar. Um, and I also like, Matt, how they got a lot of the authentic voice actors who have handled mm -hmm. these characters in the past in their various cartoons or whatever else. I think that's really Arya Stark. I think they really got her to voice the character. Yeah. It sounds like her to me. Hmm. Um, and all the cartoon stuff, it sounds... If, if they didn't get the real people to do it, they got really good people who sound exactly like what I expect yeah, them to sound. More than you can say for that Nicktoons thing. Yeah. Which oh, didn't definitely. have any voices. Yep. Yeah, no voices at all. That's crazy. Let's talk about the monetization. We, we hinted at it a little bit. Like, it is a grind to unlock characters. It's like a two-hour per character grind, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot to ask, I think, to unlock a character. Um, when you start out with only four out of a roster of 17. Yeah. Although, if you want to pay, like, the price of a normal game for it, you do get enough tokens to, like, unlock most of them, I think. Yeah, if you pay for the Founders pack or mm -hmm. whatever, you basically, yeah, you basically get enough tokens that you can unlock all the characters. Um, generally, though, I would say the monetization isn't too intrusive. There is a battle pass, and characters level up. Um, yeah. all, all the perks, and I do like that you can practice with any of them. Yeah. To decide which one you might want to unlock yep. next, like that's yeah, they're not making you do it blind. All the perks can be unlocked by playing, um, but you can also pay for them if you want to. If you don't want to have to play to earn them. Um, you can unlock them with the in-game currency you earn, characters unlocked with in-game currency as well, or paid currency, or if you bought the Founders Pack, as we just mentioned. Um, then their cosmetics, emotes, and ring-out animations are basically all for real money. Um, and like League of Legends, as we talked about a little bit earlier, some of the skins can, be, can completely change the character, including their voice lines. So it's not like it's just a new outfit for some of the skins some of the skins almost create a brand new character like league of legends does in hmm. a lot of cases um and then some of the some of the cosmetics but not most you can unlock with the season pass rewards but some no matter what you're gonna have to pay real money for and i think that that's the tried and true free to play pattern mm -hmm. and i think that's what people are okay with if you want me to pay for cosmetics i'm 100 percent fine with that i own no alternate skills in skins in League of Legends, and I played that game for like 10 years. I never spent a penny on that game, but I have no unique skins, and I don't care. I just want to play it. I don't care what my, my champ looks like, and I probably wouldn't care what my character looks like in this either. It's good, though, that the option is there for people who want it, and if you're going to have to make your money off of that, that's the best thing to make your money off of. So 
I think the monetization, I feel like they've handled pretty well in this, Matt. Yeah. In um, fact, I feel like this game's pretty damn good. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, when they announced it, it kind of sounded like a gag. Yeah. But, like, they, I mean, look, it's they took it seriously, and they gave it the budget it needed, and they... You know, they went all in on it, and that's what you get. Yeah. You know, you, if you're going to, you know, and they, I mean, they are taking a shot at the king here. Yeah. You know, Smash Brothers is pretty much unparalleled in terms of what it does. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to come this at is them. the second best Smash game. Oh, easily. Yeah. I would argue that there are no other good ones, in fact. <laughs> that's true. Um, I'd say this is the first good Smash clone. Yeah. Like, really, really good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe Brawlhalla, you could have an argument for that. Yeah, it definitely but, has an audience, and they keep supporting it with new stuff, yeah. so it must be doing okay. But this one also captures the, um, you know, one of the appeals of Smash Brothers is mixing all these, uh, these uh, you know, characters. Yeah. And these IPs and stuff, and this is the only one that has, is good and manages that. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just ride on the licenses. Yeah, it is actually making a good game out of it. Yep, and this is available for PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox Series, and Xbox One. Um, it is free to play, so if you're interested in Smash Brothers at all, it's definitely worth the download. I mean, play a couple matches. If you don't like it, delete it. Yep, no skin off your back. Like, and as someone mentioned in chat. If you want to check out all the characters before you spend any money, you can do that. Um, I feel like they've handled this perfectly. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if it actually ends up working in esports. I don't know if it will. I don't know. Time will tell. Is it at Evo? No, it's not. It'd be too, it'd be too late for that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I, I'm sure it will be there. Like I'm sure you'll be able to go play multiverses there. Um, yeah. Now that it's owned by Sony, Nintendo bailed. Yeah. Or Nintendo bailed for other reasons. No one's sure what happened there. Really. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say it bailed because I don't think it. I don't think so. Really? I don't think it's some. There's other stuff happening there. Nintendo I of the big three is the one that does. They not are, but it does. Sony Sony's involvement is is tangential at best yeah. in terms of the organization. Something else happened. I mean, they, they've been having trouble keeping Nintendo in there yeah. for years. They have. Nintendo has their thing. own ideas about wanting or not wanting to support the pro scene. Yep. Um, very weird. Like My no point, one really though, understands. Is this could fill that void. This could be a um, game that could fill that arena brawler void that Smash yeah. is going to leave behind. And um, it's a high-quality game. It's really crazy to think we're getting games like this for free now, Matt. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it helps that they own all the stuff, uh-huh. obviously. So yeah. there's, there's a little less overhead there. Yep. Um, also true of Smash Brothers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it took this... Well, it only took... 25 years for someone to crack the code on this one. Yeah. Matt, is it safe to say the next Smash Brothers will not be free to play? Yeah, I think Smash Brothers will, will, will maintain its business model if there is yeah. another Smash Brothers. I mean, And how weird is this? Is it that this game is not on Switch? Yeah, I would like to know. I mean, part of it probably because they couldn't get Metco this good to run on the Switch. Maybe, but still, it seems like it's it's ignoring its potentially its biggest market. I don't think so. I feel like you, I feel like the people who are big into Smash Brothers are going to be kind of loyalistic about yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think interesting. I don't think there's going to be a lot of crossover there in terms of that. I think this is maybe something for people who are interested in Smash Brothers but want to play something that isn't Nintendo focused, mm-hmm. or maybe want to play something, or you just don't own a Switch. On a mo- yeah, on a and modern you system, play a Smash Brothers game, or something with online play that doesn't blow. Right. Um, there's some of that too. Yeah. Um, it's probably not a coincidence that they put that much effort into making this thing play well online because yeah. Smash Brothers still doesn't really do that very well. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised by this game. Yeah. 
I had low expectations. Yeah, I really didn't. I thought it would be kind of fine and okay, whatever, cool. Like you can hit, you can hit Shaggy with Superman. Like I thought it's gonna be janky. Yeah. And cheap, but it's not. No. It feels like a polished triple A game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So excellent work there. Yeah. Well done, Warner Brothers. Yeah. I don't. I don't say that very often. <laughs> well, one, it doesn't put out games hardly ever no. anymore. I certainly uh, wasn't. Hard. I certainly wasn't saying it yesterday when I saw that Gotham Knights footage. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, we'll be playing that not too long from now as well. So <sighs> don't threaten me. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's Multiversus again, available for PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. No Switch version. You think they'll end up releasing a Switch version ultimately? I don't know if this will run on Switch that well. I mean, I don't think graphically it's a. No, problem. I mean the online stuff yeah. is probably gonna be a problem because of the Wi-Fi. Four players stuff. instead it's, of two. Yeah, could get messy. Yeah. yeah, and who knows if maybe Nintendo will, would be jerks about that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because, yep. like, look, it's one thing to have, like, that stupid Nicktoons thing on the Switch. I don't know if it is on the Switch. I don't remember. I think it um, is, yeah. But it's another thing to look at this thing and be like, oh, they they actually did a made a good game. Yeah. Like, you know, I could I could definitely beat Nintendo and sort of have that twinge of, like, mm, this is... It's not like it's competition, because Smash Brothers is, is a monolith of a franchise. Yeah. But you're still looking at something that's kind of pulling it off yep. and i can see why they wouldn't want to do that yep absolutely so there you go that's multi-versus again it's free to play and you can download it for free if you have a playstation and xbox or a gaming pc mm -hmm. well let's move on we're going to talk next about grand theft auto 6. you may remember a couple months ago Michael Pactor published a very special episode of Pactor Factor. Uh, Vincent makes a point. Uh, the Nicktoons game is on Switch, but it does not have the rollback netcode it has on the other platforms. Oh, See, it's, it's the online thing. That's yeah. what's holding it back. Nintendo's got to fix that for the next system. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, well, a lot of people on Switch also play on Wi-Fi. That doesn't help either. Oh, yeah. Well, we, well, we remember the new, <laughs> the new dock that was slower than playing on right. Wi-Fi. What is going on <laughs> with that system? Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... If you remember a couple months ago, Michael Pactor broke some news about Grand Theft Auto 6 on a very special episode of Pactor Factor. Um, at the time, people questioned him. It was very interesting coming from an outlet like Sifted that's run by someone who's been a games journalist for 20 plus years and a video by Michael Pactor who's been a part of the games industry for like two decades. And most of the feedback that, that we got was, who is this guy? How would this guy know anything? Mm -hmm. It's very bizarre. It's like he's Michael Pactor. He's been covering the industry probably longer than you've been alive, bro. Like, it was weird. It, it, people questioned the information because of where it was coming from, mm. even though they didn't know who Pactor was. Well, there's also the meme of people who do know Pactor and say that, like, Everything's any, wrong. anything he says, the opposite will be true. Which is complete nonsense. If you actually look at his predictions, he is one of the most accurate predictors of financial markets of anyone there's some which, weird which it should be noted is still not all that accurate that right. stuff is very hard to predict like, it's, a, it's like, a, a, like a 50 like yeah. a 500 batting average on that is considered like inhuman yeah. well the thing about this was it wasn't a prediction at all no like, and that's what i tried to tell people they're like i don't trust this guy he's just predicting he's not predicting man i've seen that Someone happen all the time this. i've seen that happen all the time that's i mean that's kind of the internet in a nutshell to some like i remember that guy made like that g4 documentary about like oh, the, right. what, the real story g4 and a couple times i jumped in on that and was like nah it wasn't it was this this that's and this and they're like well why well, how do you know about my because i was there I lived like, it. and they don't believe you yeah. they don't believe yeah. it they're like right, this guy's okay. yeah, made a video okay i'm Kendall like Drock, i made a video two two five one <laughs> like it's it's uh uh, it's not a th you know people don't want to hear it. it there's it's always interesting being told that you're wrong by somebody who wasn't even alive when you started working in the industry mm -hmm. 
You're like, really, bro? Like, okay, anyway, so a lot of people did not believe what Michael Pactor said about Grand Theft Auto 6. Well, this past week, and I don't even want, I was going to say something, I'm, I'm going to not say it. But anyway, this past week, a couple other journalists have basically corroborated everything that Michael Pactor told you about Grand Theft Auto 6. First, it started with Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, who said that, because Rockstar is trying to change its culture and trying to cut back on crunch and making its, its developers work 100-hour weeks and things like that, that they decided to pare back Grand Theft Auto 6 from its original concept, with its original concept being multiple cities that you can travel in between. And, and his report was that, well, now they're going to launch it with just one city and then add the extra cities mm. later on as GTA Online content. That was followed up by Steven Totillo. Which is very sad because it means I won't be playing them. <laughs> Probably. That was followed up by Steven Totillo, who is now at Axios. He used to be the editor-in-chief at Kotaku, who basically corroborated everything that Pactor said, that said his sources said that it was set in three different cities and would have four protagonists or something like that. So the main crux of what Pactor shared with you guys before anyone else was that Grand Theft Auto 6 was going to take place in multiple cities and you would ultimately be able to travel between those cities and do things like run drugs and run guns. And that's exactly what the game is. So to all the people who doubted Pactor or said we were wrong, there you go. Vindication felt very sweet this week, and I shot with Michael Pactor this week, and I thought the Vindication felt good. He really <laughs> thought it felt good, because people came after him. They're mm -hmm. like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're making this up. You're lying. And I told you guys all along that his sources were ironclad, and you literally could not have got a better source. I'm still not going to share what the sources were, but he had three different sources that told him the same information, and one of those people is literally the best source you could have for any information on Rockstar or Grand Theft Auto. I'll leave it up to your imagination who that was. <laughs> so it felt pretty damn good to see that all the information that he had shared ended up being corroborated. Of course, no one's going to come back now and say, sorry, Pac, sorry I doubted you, but you were right. That's never going to happen. That's the internet in a nutshell. It's like, even when you're proven right, you never really do get the vindication of people coming and being like, you know what? I was wrong to doubt you. You were ultimately right. So as it turns out, what we had shared about Grand Theft Auto 6 many moons ago is exactly what Grand Theft Auto 6 is. So Matt, you already kind of intimated or hinted at this about how, how do you feel about a GTA game that starts with one city and then expands out to the extra cities. Are you really at a point where you don't think you would stick around to try out when they add Los Santos or when they add Liberty City? Not if there's no single player content. But I think there will be. I mean, if they're going to expand it as like, you know, also single player stuff, if they're going to expand the campaign, then yeah, I'll play it. But if it's just going to be adding cities to GTA Online, I will never see them. I'm not going, I'm not doing that again. I enjoyed Do you think my time. Would bother adding cities if it's just like a new playground to mess around with. Yeah, because that's where all their money is. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Really they cut all the heist out of GTA Five and stuck them in GTA Online. That's true. You will never convince me that the heist stuff wasn't supposed to be the giant middle meat of GTA Five. Yeah, they teach you how all the heist stuff works, and you never do it again. That's a good point. Yeah. There is no way that wasn't supposed to be the second act of that game. Yeah. Because everything just sort of jumps ahead all of a sudden, and you do the second heist, which is the big finale. 
Like, they present the heist as this thing you need to know how to do, and then you never need to do it again. Because the second time you do it for the big finale, it's all automatic. Yeah. You don't even get a choice of, like, like there's like, oh, you do this, and this guy, you're, this guy assisting you, like, will level up, and that will change your loyalty. To, but it never matters. It's, and then, like, then they get all of a sudden, you get, like, seven heists or something in the online game. Of course they cut that out of the single-player game a second in the online game, because GTA Online was their, their moneymaker. And, like, I understand why they did that, but it doesn't make me any less pissed. Because, yeah. like, I wanted to, that would have been a cool element to have as a through line through the whole campaign. Now, if they want to change that, great. But I, got, I see no indication why Rockstar would want to do that because they're there to make money. They're not there to make me happy. Yeah. So I will believe that these cities are being added to the offline game in the same manner as the online game when it happens. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. I understand why you'd only want to you know, limit your, your scope on that. And that gives you an opportunity to, to expand GTA 6 for like five, six years. In a meaningful way. In a real way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it was one thing to say like, oh, this new mission type is out on GTA Online. It's another thing to say like, okay, Miami is cool and all, but here, come play San Francisco. Like that's great. Like that's a big story. You know, they can do things too, like where they create hooks to the expansion that mm-hmm. you experience and you come across. So, according to Schreier, Vice City is going to be the yeah. first city that they launch with Miami. If as you're playing that, like you can start working with like the drug cartel, and they mm-hmm. can say, "Man, we got connections in Liberty City, or yeah. we got well, connections in just Los like Santa. the Assassin's Creed games do." So you can build the anticipation for when they do release those new territories, and then once they do, you create that link becomes meaningful, mm-hmm. and you start running guns or drugs between the two different cities. Then the third one cracks open, and that just opens a whole new level of possibilities. Like. I tend to think that that is how, how it's going to happen. Like, I really would be... It just seems stupid to build other gigantic cities if all you're going to do is just let people go and do the same crap that you're doing in Vice City, in Grand Theft Auto Online. I mean, that seems like probably the business model. Yeah. Like, just... I mean, you put new missions and stuff in there for GTA Online and stuff, but, like, there, you know, I just don't see it. I mean, unless they're charging the price of a full game for the new city... You mean each time? Yeah. They charge another like you 60 want, or 70 Like, you bucks. want that Los Santos so expansion? Or 60 it's, bucks. So it'll be 70. 70, yeah. Yeah, because it's take two. They're one of the only I can see parties. that happening. Oh, absolutely, I mean, I, I mean, it would have to be a full-fledged, new, basically a new game yeah. in the new city. Pactor, actually, and this is... I'm not going to spoil the episode, but Pactor has come up with a brilliant way to do this. And I don't want to spoil the episode of Pactor. Factor is probably not going to be published until, like, next week, so I don't want to go into too much detail about what... He thinks he, they're going to do it and how they're going to do it to make it work financially. Um, but it was not charging full price for each one. There's a way that he figures it out to make it work where they could make like basically $3 billion a year off of Grand Theft Auto Online. Much similar to how EA is making money off of Apex Legends right now on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I'm going to say, and I'll leave the rest for the actual episode of Pactor Factor. But he came up with a pretty creative way for Rockstar to make a ton of money off of GTA 6 after the initial launch where you get the first city. Um, what other information did we get? Oh, um, he also said, Schreier said, that there's two protagonists in the game. Um and there's, it's a male and female tandem, kind of like Bonnie and Clyde. Um, he said the woman is Latina. Um, and he said that Rockstar is being cautious not to punch down. Because he said that Rockstar claims that it's really hard to satirize today's America because it's already a satire of itself. 
And can't, so they can't disagree with that. They, exactly. So they said they've had problems. That's why a, lo- yeah. a big reason why they've had so many delays. They're like, we can't. How do we do this now? Yeah, a lot of the old satire, like on one hand, I mean, some of it just is out- outdated in the sense of the punching down thing. But also a lot of the satire, like as, as what someone said, I saw a tweet uh, about like um, it was some stupid one of those stupid like weirdo Q thing. It was, but it was basically like. Oh no! It was um, uh, it was an article about a teacher who had trained to use like firearms and was like ready to teach kindergarten now. And someone was just like, "Just all of us living in one of the fake commercials from RoboCop now." And it's like, yeah, <laughs> or like, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like, but yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it's like all that kind of like the 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 the, the, amuna- the ammunition stuff. stuff from that. None of that reads as satire anymore. Yeah. Like it's just Army ridiculous. With guns. How do you? How That's do you insane. how do you make fun of that? You can't. Like there's you cannot create an absurdist world more absurd than the one we're in. It's, you're absolutely right. And apparently that's how Rockstar feels as well. Um, so he Schreier claims that Rockstar is being cautious not to punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups. And if you remember, they yeah, did was, take out some transphobic stuff yeah. post haste from prior GTA games that they didn't even make mm-hmm. a big deal about. No, they it just did it. Just disappeared. Which Rock, is good. Yeah. So it does appear that as a company, it's making strides, and that's going to make those games much better. Yes, like like because yeah. that's what humor needs to be. Humor isn't just supposed to be like mean spirited nonsense. You have to have a target, and you have to have that. You, you know, comedy as they say, comedy speaks truth to power at its best best instances. Yeah. Just like George Carlin or or uh, or Bill Hicks or or that kind of thing. Uh, Eddie Izzard, um, uh, Stuart Lee, they, they all they all the best do that. And I guess what? The power isn't the trans people hanging around outside a bar right. in L.A. Like, that's yeah. not where the power is. The power is these things that are impossible to satirize at this point. Because every day, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene says something even dumber than the day before. And you're like, how is this real? How, how, can, you, how can you exaggerate and satirize that in a GTA game when the instant you write something, the next day it's going to be out obsolete because something more ridiculous happened? So, yeah, I understand that that that. I mean, I've seen some people call that an excuse, but I think it's a pretty good explanation for why it's hard to do a GTA 6 now. Yeah. Well, Schreier also reported that according to a couple either current or former Rockstar employees, they described Rockstar now as a boys club transformed into a real company. Hmm. He said that um, as far as employees working overtime, that every hour they work overtime gets added to their vacation. So they actually get all those hours back. Um, which is good, but that still leaves the door open to crunch <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you didn't expect crunch, you would have to worry about adding the hours onto someone's vacation pay. But still, it's better than not doing that because let's be honest, Matt, most salaried employees in America, you do not get the extra hours that you work added onto your vacation. In fact, if you aren't working the extra hours on salary, a lot of times your ass is the first one out on the street when the cuts come. Mm. So. I mean, that's an area where Rockstar is actually better, I would argue, than the average corporation in America. Yeah. Sadly. Watching this, it's just such a shame these games weren't better. What, these remakes? The, the definitive editions. Yeah, yeah. it is a shame. Um, I would love to have San Andreas here around just to like kind of go back and mess with when I had nothing else to do. But I, these, it's, I can't even see characters' faces in this game. Yeah. So sad. I hope they fix them. I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, so... I think this is great news, honestly, mm-hmm. in general, because if Rockstar was really going to go ahead with its original plans for this game, which was all three cities at once. See on the PS6. Like, yeah. When will we have ever played it? Yep. And I do have a feeling that, like, they'll get GTA 6 out and we'll be waiting, like, two years for them to add the next city. 
I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised oh, at yeah. all if that's the case. I hope you like Vice City because that's the only place you're going to be for a while. For a while, yeah. Um, but I still, I'll take that yeah. and get it earlier. I would guess the second city would be Los Santos because they, they basically got that instead already of Liberty built. City. Yeah, I hope. Also, I hope so because I don't like Liberty City very much. I think Liberty City is pretty boring. I'd agree. Even though it's New York, and what I, I re- like New York. I mean, I, I would like to see Los Santos again. You know, Los Santos is cool. Of course, I like to see San Fierro, which is San Francisco. But you know what? I'd be most interested to see is London. Yeah, because we haven't seen anything outside of the United States and GTA since the London expansion for GTA One. Now that is the one thing that Pactor mentioned that has yet to be corroborated by either of those guys. Was that London. one of the cities is going to be London? So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Otherwise, I'm pretty excited for this. Now, the other thing that Schreier said is that this game, even the, this pared-down version of GTA 6, is still like two years away. Yeah. Well, they only just started a little while ago. I mean, <laughs> well, they've been working on it since 2014. Well, working on it, but full yeah. production? They're talking yeah. like two years ago maximum. It's crazy. But that's As Gabe the Newell up- says, these things take time. Yeah, yeah. But that's the latest update on Grand Theft Auto 6. I think it sounded pretty good. Um... I'm really happy. Here's to hear. my question. Are they going to call it GTA 6? Or are they going to call it something they can use as a platform so every time they come, in, come out with a new city, is it going to be GTA 6 Vice City? Then it'd be GTA 6 Los Santos? GTA like, like that? How I mean, will they, they differentiate this? get away those? with rebooting it and just calling it Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Or just, so or just Grand Theft and Auto. The game was so different. Yeah, you do Grand Theft Auto Vice City or something, and then like you just name each one, no number, just name it after the city it is. Right. And they all kind of work together like yeah. a platform. Yeah. I could see that. But I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to hear that Rockstar has finally changed his corporate culture. Yeah. Um, I would like a way... I would also I'm like a disappointed digital. there's growing pains involved, but that's expected. Yeah. I'd also like to see an interesting way to transfer between them in a more real... I mean, at least for, like, San Fierro and Los Santos and maybe Vegas. Like, oh. make, make, kind of like San Andreas. I'm, what I really want is American Truck Simulator, but <laughs> as GTA, driving all over the country. That's that's what I'm after. I well, throw throw in a Washington D.C. and a and a and a, uh, 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 Philadelphia and a, and a lot and a New York and a Boston. So you can drive all the way up the East Coast. Um, I, I would enjoy that. Problem is, we would not get that until I was dead. Yeah, I would never yeah. get to play another GTA. Well, that's, if, that's assuming we'd be doing a uh, an ongoing adding of cities forever. Like yeah. GTA would just be a platform where they build a world, essentially. Yeah. Um, let's look at chat real quick and see what people are saying. Um, Fire Native, shame, but you can run over a hooker in a different city with other online people shooting you. What's not to like? <laughs> well, that's that hasn't been in the chat because you have to allow it. Yeah. Because he said hooker. He didn't put it in the chat. Dyson's disappointed because he's saying having a single-player campaign based on traveling to different cities was the appeal for me. So you're going to have to wait for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. I can understand that. Yeah, I can understand that perspective. Um, Vortex Complex says, GTA Online makes me angry. Getting run up on by 12-year-olds is not great. <laughs> ha ha. That's the reason I hated Red Dead when they first launched Red Dead Online. Is mm-hmm. because it was just people murdering you. Like, it was... I was like, man, I just got into... what? I'm dead. <laughs> oh, I spawned and my horse is... Dead. Like... I, and they changed it very quickly. I'm surprised. Do you think GTA Online is still that like that? I mean, there's a up on you no, no, because there's just like Red Dead. There's there's ways to just turn off the ability for people to randomly do damage to you. Oh, okay, okay. But my had that experience when I first started playing GTA Online. Like you could like deposit your money. Yeah. No, they and s- there'd be like ten dudes waiting at the ATM. No, they solved that problem. You 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 can choose when you want to participate in that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Basically, if you're getting shot by someone at random, you're not really taking hardly any damage, and you only will take serious damage if you fight back. 
Mm, that's okay. how that's how they do it. Uh, Contano says, "I'm with Matt on this. If there's no single player, then GTA Six is a hard pass for me. I mean, there's going to be single player. Yeah, I'm sure GTA Six. It's like, you know, whatever they release will be single player. My concern is that the subsequent cities will not be sync the single player. Yeah. They will just be multiplayer add-ons for GTA Online, which is where the money is. Like the single player stuff is because like they don't make it's it's infinite it's infinitesimal in comparison to the money they make on GTA Online. There's no reason for them monetarily to do single player content for that. Yep." Uh, I think that's all you guys got on this one. It's pretty cut and dried. I mean, I'm just glad that they're doing something new and something innovative and unique with one of the industry's biggest franchises. Well, eventually. Yeah. Lestevit, thank you for uh, gifting subs to all the people in chat. That is flipping awesome. Um, yeah, that's great. So I'm pretty excited for Grand Theft Auto 6, and I have a feeling I'm going to be excited mm-hmm. for it for a long, long time to come yeah, before be I ever get to play that. it. <laughs> I mean, I am definitely less excited as not multiple cities, and in particular, that is Miami. Yeah. Because without is that the eight, your least favorite? Uh, I mean, I like Liberty City is my least favorite. Liber- Liberty City is is a inherently inherently my least favorite because a I'm tired of it, and b um, it's just not an interesting place to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Miami without the '80s thing really doesn't interest me very it's just you know okay like you're just gonna it's just miami yeah like who cares like yeah. so i hear like, you i mean i guess you could do a lot of desantis jokes or something but like <laughs> it, you know what i mean like it's just it's not yeah. a particularly interesting city to spend the whole game in without some kind of hook beyond it's miami you yeah. know like the hook of vice city being in the 80s was cool because you got to kind of play out scarface and do all the music and do all the crazy fashion and the neon stuff like that was yeah. cool um but like just a modern day Miami, like that's not really. It does a, lose its charm. Yeah, I don't really care about that. I'd agree with you. I think Los Santos should be the first one. Because also the breadth of it is somewhat, but also we already did. You have LA. We already did San LA. Francisco, like. But we already did LA. Yeah. So I don't really care about so you, that you either. You want a new city? I don't like a different city. Yeah. Um, or even just like I don't know, uh, California bias, like a San Francisco, Sacramento, Las Vegas, mm. like. Triumvir or Portland. You could play with uh, Portland a lot. Yeah. Um, or go to the Midwest. Do like a, a Chicago, Cleveland uh, sort of <laughs> thing there. Belt. Yeah. Like a, a Rust Belt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, why not? I don't think that would sell very well. I don't think that's sexy to most I think people. Chicago would work. Maybe. Chicago's got a lot of history. Yeah. Uh, Boston, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's been done. I mean, maybe they do need to start going overseas a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see like a GTA Tokyo. Yeah, that'd be or amazing. A GTA Singapore yeah. kind of thing. Like yeah. London. I mean, London was interesting. Seoul. I mean, there's a lot of places. That they yeah. Can. Yeah. GTA so. Moscow. You really want to invite some stuff. I mean, what would really be great is if Grand Theft Auto 6 is the platform. Mm-hmm. And if it just starts there and then it just grows. And there's never a Grand Theft Auto 7, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm getting at. And it's just this thing that you buy and then they figure out a way to price. The expansions that make sense and it's just this platform that continually grows and i think that would be ideal for most people mm-hmm. and obviously you can update your engine over time and you know they've done that with a lot of other games it's not impossible so um we'll see but um people are gonna be begging for more information on this i would not i would be surprised if schreier doesn't keep digging if steven totilla doesn't keep digging and we get little tidbits here and there as development continues yeah, but time so for far, time for Patrick to find out something new it is time yeah and well, wait and wait for more vindication we have to remember that he hasn't had his party in a while. Right. And that is a place where he gathers a lot of intel. 
Because you get people drunk on $1,000 liquor, they're going to tell you some yeah. stuff. Yeah, and they appreciate you. You're like, man, you just poured me a glass of scotch that's worth like $200. Yep. Like, I'll talk with you about something for a little while. Like, He gets a lot of his info from those parties. They haven't happened mm-hmm. for a while. They're happening next year. So he should Four get, years. It's been a while. So he'll get a refresh of information. Yep. Although, to be fair, he got his information on GTA 6 not at his party, to be honest with you. I'll just throw that out mm. there. So. It's on his boat. All the good I'm stuff gonna, happens I'm on not the boat. Say anymore. <laughs> All the good stuff happens on the boat. That's what, what I've been told. Uh, okay, it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about something we don't talk about a ton on Game Face because you guys typically hate it, and that is a sports game. Um, we're going to discuss FIFA 23, and it's not going to be a long segment, but the reason I decided to talk about it at all is because for some odd reason, Matt, and I could never fathom why, this year's FIFA has the most updates, changes, tweaks, overhauls of any FIFA maybe I can ever remember. Well, it's the big finale. Yeah. Why might that be, people? Could it be because this is the last FIFA game Mm. in next year? EA is going to have to convince you to buy EA Sports FC instead of FIFA and is trying to create a great game this year so that when they get they have to get you to make that leap to its new franchise, you're much more likely to make that leap. And hey, whatever it takes to get games to a place where they're making big improvements year over year, but I'll just show you my notes. And I may not even get to all these, so I don't want to spend this much time on FIFA. But this whole page right here is my notes about the new FIFA. That's how many changes and tweaks they have made for FIFA 23. So if you're one of those people who says, oh, it's just another FIFA, and I'll argue too, Madden this year has some pretty big changes as far as their physics engine, which could change the franchise forever if they actually nail it. This year's FIFA has a ton of changes and tweaks that I think are going to make a lot of people happy. And we also do have a lot of people who live in Europe who watch Game Face and our subscribers and our patrons, and they care a whole hell of a lot about FIFA. So I'm gonna very quickly run you through all the new features of FIFA 23. First of all, the biggest change is Hyper Motion 2. You're familiar with Hyper Motion 1. The catch with Hyper Motion 2. You're beginning to doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, here's something that EA is doing that I'm not a fan of. So Madden, that brand new physics engine that I just talked about, is next gen only. You have to buy the PS5 or Xbox Series versions to get the truly new features in Madden. And they're doing the same thing with FIFA 23. If you want Hyper Motion 2, you can only get it on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series consoles, and PC. If you have PS4 or Xbox One, it will not be included in the game. That seems insane to me. Because it can't do it. You think? Yeah. You really think that the systems just aren't powerful enough? Yeah, to this do is it? what you—they're finally doing what you're asking for. Do stuff you can only do on next gen, and now you're complaining about. I'm it. not complaining about it. I just don't believe that it can only be done on next gen. I think I, they're intentionally holding back. I think they might be intentional. Maybe you could get it to work on next gen if you threw a lot of time, effort, and money at it, but they don't want to because it's the old gen. Right. That could be too. Yep. Um, I think that's just a natural function of finally moving on from the last generation. It could be. Maybe you could make the argument that they shouldn't be selling the game without it at all on the old platform, mm-hmm. but then people complain they don't get to play FIFA at all. Yeah. So, no, I think that's fine. Okay. Um, Hyper Emotion 2 uses machine learning technology to add over 6,000 new animations to the game, 
which results ultimately in smoother, more realistic gameplay for for shooting, passing, sprinting, and dribbling. Uh, new to the franchise this year are power shots. This new skill allows players to unleash a devastating effort with extra power and spin. To do it, you have to hold both bumpers down while you're shooting. I don't know how that's going to play out, honestly. That... That feels like getting your fingers twisted in a knot. But if there's one thing I've learned about FIFA, is if there's something really convoluted that you could, that you think other people can't pull off, they can. Mm-hmm. Just play somebody online, and you'll learn very quickly that they have mastered everything. I mean, there's people that people that can't believe you can fly in Rocket League. Right. People will figure it out. They, yeah. FIFA, man. There's nothing more humbling, at least to me, in my last five years of playing video games, than playing an online match of FIFA. For FIFA 22, I played like three online matches and it was just, oh my gosh. I mean, and I appreciated it because what that showed to me is that there's a high skill ceiling in the game. Then there's things to achieve to continually keep getting better at the game. And I was a noob. I should get whooped like that if a sports game has a high skill ceiling. Um, So yeah, you have to hold down both bumpers while you're shooting. but while you're doing it, the rub is is that the aim assist is completely disabled. So if you use this new mechanic that allows you to put more power and touch on a shot, you have to aim manually. The game won't do it for you. That seems like a fair trade-off to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are new, there are new skill moves, including left foot moves, which I was surprised to learn weren't already in the game, um, but apparently not. And now there's fake shots, there's stutter feints, and there's heel fakes. They've also revamped the set pieces, and now you use the right analog stick to adjust where the ball is being struck and apply spin, kind of like how (coughs) golf video games handled spin back when they handled spin correctly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like a lot of modern golf games got rid of like that mechanic where you choose the point on the golf ball where you want to strike the golf ball pre-swing, and you have to hold it there while you do the swing mechanic, which adds a layer of complexity and difficulty to it. And then they just abandoned it for whatever reason and started doing spin in goofy ways. Well, now they're allowing spin in FIFA using this mechanic, and I think that's also a really smart move. Um, They've added new hard slides for more aggressive tackles. Basically, you can slide tackle someone now and almost set your team off in the other direction. Um, So your slide tackles now can send the ball rolling like 20 or 30 yards, which could lead to breakaways for your team if you use it now. If you do use the harder slide tackles, your chances of getting a yellow yellow card or a red card are increased. So again, there's a risk and reward involved with the new mechanic. There's a, a new accelerate mechanic. And again, this is also only for next gen. All players are now assigned one of three archetypes based on their height, agility, and their strength. And those affect how each runner deploys their speed. And there's three different ways that they can be categorized. Um, it's either controlled, explosive, and lengthy. You can now cancel dribbling animations, but again, this is also next-gen only, and that's a really weird thing to make next-gen only. I mean, if that's part of the hypermotion thing, then yeah, that's I, that. Actually, I'm not sure if it is tied into the hypermotion, to be honest. I don't know how that works. But that also, canceling dribbling animations, next-gen only. And then they've completely reworked how the goalies work. They're more aggressive, and they also will no longer cheat. So if you've played FIFA in the past, you'll if you watch replays, you'll see your goalie warp through the other team's players to get to the ball to make a save that's all changing now the goalies now recognize that there are players around them so if their vision is blocked they'll try to look around the players to try to get their eyes on the ball and they have to physically run around other players now to get to the ball whereas before 
They just almost acted like a ghost and they could just kind of warp straight to the ball. Uh, women's club football is coming. Women's, has, women's game has been a part of FIFA for quite a while, but they're finally getting club football into the game. Um, at first, there's only two different clubs. There's the FA Women's Super League, and then there's the French Division I Feminine League. Uh, they're going to be there at launch, and they'll be adding more as time goes on. Um, last year, I believe there were 17 international female squads, so they've been doing a good job at building that up slowly over time and getting it to a decent place. And their goal is to reach parity with the male, uh, with the male counterpart in the game eventually, but it does appear like they're taking baby steps. And not I mean, the, big that would have to happen in the EA football club in the future, I right, guess. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, career mode. There are kind of six tenants or five or six tenants that they're, they're really hammering to improve. Player personality, playable highlights, a new menu system, dynamic moments, transfer analysis, and authentic managers. The goal is to give you more freedom in how you approach the career mode, both in terms of gameplay and customization. Um, player personality allows you to shape your virtual personality and get attribute benefits from doing so. It drives a deeper personal connection to your player unless you define their character on and off the pitch. By performing certain actions on and off the pitch, it gains you personality points that you will accumulate and expand your personality, giving you access to benefits. Every time you decide between connecting with a teammate or keeping the ball a little longer to set up a shot for yourself, it shapes the kind of player that you are. So if you're like a ball hog, and you like to take the ball from one end of the field to the other end of the field, that ultimately will tie into the attributes for that player and will make him better at doing just that. Conversely, if you prefer to kind of tic-tac-toe pass your way up the pitch, you'll become a better passer in the game. I think that's great, and I think it's a good idea. And I would like to see that expanded into as many areas as possible. Um, playable highlights, and this is maybe, I think they're maybe overselling this a little bit. It's where you take control of key moments in matches in an attempt to define the outcomes of the matches. Basically, it's like something that's been in Madden for a long time where you can sim games. I think Madden calls it like smart sim or something like that. Mm -hmm. You can sim simulate games, but the game will stop at pivotal points in the game and let you play them. And they're kind of bringing that over into FIFA in FIFA 2023. Uh, the new menu system, they've just kind of unified the menu design across the game so that the layout and the look is the same across all the modes. In the past, like you, if you would get into like Ultimate Team, it was almost like the way you navigated that was completely different. It's almost like they were built by different teams, which huh. they probably were. But they're unifying the, all that stuff across all the modes now in FIFA 23. Um, dynamic moments are a collection of cinematics which accompany your progression throughout the career mode. Um, and this is, this, these dynamic moments work in both the manager and the player careers with the aim of making your journey more immersive and memorable. Overall, there are seven bespoke dynamic moments you can experience throughout your career. Each of them is tied to various achievements or events that you might encounter on your path to stardom. And from the very first moment you enter the pitch. And then there's play as real managers. FIFA 23 enables you to play as one of 350 authentic football managers. That's insane. Like, are there, are there really that many memorable football memorable, soccer no, coaches? But everybody is, everyone's somebody's favorite. I guess. Yeah, whatever your favorite club is, you want your coach to be in there. Yeah. That's insane. 350 of them. That's impressive to me. Yeah. And something only you'd have to do in soccer, football. NFL, uh, the, the, 32 of them. The dollar's worth more than the euro now, so it's soccer. <laughs> And there's nothing anyone can. You Have can't. We decided yeah, that now? that's just that's just how it is until the euro gets gets back up there. 
Um, but only. But here's the thing, though. So only 30 plus actually have the star heads. So they've only actually modeled the heads of 30 coaches. That makes mm. a little more sense and brings it more in line with EA's other sports games. So 30 coaches and like 320 just Dudes guys. With, right, just, with the right, with just the a guy name, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd imagine most of the coaches look about the same anyway. So yep. Football coaches have a certain you know brand. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, and you have the opportunity when you're playing in the coach's career of continuing to build a legacy at um, the current club. You can pick a different club to start at, or you can even create a brand new club and assign that manager to your brand new squad that you've created yourself. The transfer analysis stuff, this is a new feature for FIFA 23 in the manager career mode. It helps you set up your negotiation skills and hone your managerial instincts. It assesses the financial and squad impact of your transfer business. And transfers are basically in soccer, they're just trades like in other sports. Um, there are five different ratings provided for the financial aspect of the transfers, and they're graded from A through F. You must use your scouts to obtain all the information you can on each player that you're targeting in order to make the best deal. So basically you're sending your scouts out to gather intel so that you can make informed decisions on the players instead of just doing it blindly. This is a particularly a big deal if you're not a crazy soccer head who already kind of knows who the players are and how good the players are and what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And then finally, off-pitch activities. They allow you to further shape your player personality outside of matches and training. Each activity has certain requirements to meet before you're eligible to engage with them, and then they can present different types of rewards in addition to contributing to your player personality. So you're kind of seeing a lot of these new options and systems feeding into each other, uh, which also is good, but can become confusing over time. In fact, this this game reminds me a little bit of FIFA, Xenoblade FIFA Chronicles, Blade Chronicles. <laughs> Seriously, where you're starting to wonder, like, is this too much at this point? Like, is it has it become overwhelming? I don't know. Um, but like I said, when we started discussing this topic, FIFA 23, like if you've been waiting for like the big upgrade to FIFA, you haven't bought it for a few years because you're like, man, they're just adding like little things every season. This is the year to leap. And, you know, when the game comes out, it, it releases on September 20th or 30th. I can't remember. September 30th. So when it comes out on September 30th, we'll have, you know, another look at this to let you know if all these concepts and ideas actually worked well in execution because they don't always work well in execution, Matt. No. Like, a lot of the features that EA has added to Madden over the years, EA will then take away from Madden because people don't like them, and then we'll try to bring them back five years later as a new feature again. Like Madden's passing cone. Do you remember that, Matt? Yeah, I remember the passing cone. <laughs> like they, it sucked. People hated it. It disappeared, and then five years later, they added it back in as a new feature. Although it wasn't default like it was the year that they debuted it. You had to turn it on, and I'm sure nobody did. So um, just because there's a list of new stuff coming to FIFA 23 doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be a better game, or that all the changes are going to actually improve the game. And when it comes out in late September, we'll let you know just how successful all of them were um yeah this looks riveting yeah this is the career <laughs> mode i mean the career mode. finally meetings i mean the last fifa career mode was awful mm -hmm. awful i mean it was almost offensive how bad it was so i don't know if they there's only one way to go and that's up but you're right looking at this b-roll is not exactly convincing is it <laughs> no yeah so there you go 
Like I said, I didn't want to spend a ton of time on FIFA 23 because I know you guys, there's a limited interest in sports games in general on Sifted and for our Game Faith viewership. But we do have a lot of folks from Europe who support us and uh, they're just as, as important as everybody else. And we want to make sure that we're serving them as well. So we want to spend a little bit of time on a game that a lot of them are probably very, very excited for. Matt, what do you think is going to happen with EA Sports FC? I don't know. No predictions on like sales. Like, I mean, I think it's safe to assume it's going to sell less. Probably. How but much though? I think. It's I don't the, know. Yeah. I have no idea about metrics for any of that. Like, stuff. I would be surprised if it loses like twenty five percent. Maybe, but like, it's not like it's going to have competition because like FIFA, I know, is going to supposedly make their own game in house. But who knows when that'll be out? I'm know? guessing three years. Yeah, and like. There's like two ways you could could have gone with this. You could have just sort of, you know, squeezed out one last FIFA game and called it a day and then put all these new features and all these cool things in your EA Football Club game. That might have been the smarter tactic. I don't think so, because I think what they're thinking here is like FIFA is going to try to do this and realize that it's a lot harder than they think it is. And then you'll be able to point to this last FIFA game and said, yeah, well, look how we did you up on that last one. We could just pick up where we left off. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a kind of a last ditch laying the groundwork to get that license back one day thing mm, interesting you know and meanwhile you can take all that stuff and move it into your ea football club game and kind of come out of the gate swinging yeah because you're right what's going to happen is fifa's going to fail at creating its own soccer game it's going to suck at least the first year or two is going to suck yeah it's going to take a while to get off you know get running and it's going to start reconsidering yeah be like you know what maybe that offer i wonder if that offer from ea is still on the table because it's so such a hassle to start up with a new developer yeah, again. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be one of those like old sitcom situations where the, the husband's like, oh, it can't be that hard to stay home with the kids all day. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> by the end of it, he's covered in baby powder and like doesn't know where anything is and the house is on fire. Like, I feel like that's what's going to happen with FIFA that's a good analogy. on this thing. That's a great analogy. So there you go. That's FIFA 23. Um, let's see what you guys have to say about it. See if our, or your, and by the way, the reason we do our show live at 1 p.m., is so our European sifters can watch the live stream. So hopefully some of you guys are in here. You have something to say about it. Cinetite, um, passionate people about football in their clever country can list lots of important managers and players. Lots. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the Big Smoke 82 says hypermotion simulates the whole team's movement from motion capture. Last gen CPUs were not fast enough. Okay, so that's to your point where it can only work on next gen. The Big Smoke seems to agree with you on that one. Um, he also says FIFA is all about finding the meta. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of games, sports games, are that way. It's like, oh, Vincent says you can get hypermotion on Stadia as well. Oh, well. <laughs> because you're playing on PC, basically, yeah. on Stadia. So, yeah, they can make it work there. Um, the Big Smoke again. 90% of these features are guff. The real feature is how has the metal changed this year? The meta changed. The meta changed. Passe or strength, I think is what he's trying to say there. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. And Schneeky says EA has signed with one of the biggest leagues earlier, and I'm guessing will only sign more by next year. They'll be okay. Yeah, I don't think that like. Yeah, they're they're gonna have like the players and yeah, all. The players, it's, it's just FIFA is yeah, the out. Stadiums are gonna be there. It's yeah. just the license, so they won't be able to have the World Cup. Although mm -hmm. I, I think they're squeezing the World Cup into FIFA 23. Yeah. It used to be a separate game. They would release FIFA World Cup on the year of the World Cup, but I think they're squeezing it into FIFA 23 for its last year of having the license. But yeah, so they won't have the World Cup and they won't have the FIFA branding, 
But otherwise, like, they won't have FIFA's tournaments, basically, is what it comes down to. They'll mm-hmm. still have all the players and the clubs and the kits and all that kind of stuff to make it feel authentic. So I think EA's going to be just fine, but I do think they're going to suffer at least a little bit of a fall-off in sales uh, for the first year of EA Sports FC. But I would imagine that EA is kind of counting on that and has done the math and said, whatever we lose in sales we're gonna is better than what we would pay FIFA. Because mm-hmm. FIFA, Patrick's mentioned before what they pay FIFA every year. It's It's a lot. It's like a hundred million or something like that. They end up paying mm-hmm. out ultimately. Um, so I'm guessing EA's done the math and thinks it will be better off in the long run. Well, then the, some of the chats saying like they hate FIFA and my money, you know, Erebus Jensen, my game money not going to FIFA is a bonus for me. So maybe it won't hurt them at all. I wonder why they hate FIFA because they're a dinosaur FIFA, organization. FIFA is a very <laughs> FIFA is a very corrupt organization. It is corrupt. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know too many fans of FIFA, honestly. It's uh, it does seem corrupt bastards. There was Joe says, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, they do seem corrupt." But you well, know, the, the others can't see that message, though. But you know what? Yeah. We just saw with the NFL that they couldn't punish an NFL player as much as they should punish the NFL player because they had failed to punish an owner as much as they had, should have punished an owner a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know the whole story, but Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of the Browns, who the Browns just gave like 200 and some million dollars guaranteed, has been accused by 20 plus women of him basically sexually assaulting them during massage parlor sessions. And as it turns out, he had reached out to over 60 massage therapists in a year and had actually received complaints from over 20 of them. And he only got six game suspension. But the reason that most people are pointing to is the owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft, who owns like Gillette and is like a multi-billionaire, whatever. He got caught in a rub and tug in Florida on video getting sexual favors and he got like nothing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are saying because the NFL let Robert Kraft off the hook that now they cannot adequately punish Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. Well, then I saw somebody else saying that like one player got busted for weed and was suspended for a, a year. year. Yeah. So there's just no balance in how any yeah, any of that works. Bad. It's bad. And I'm not just saying this because I hate the Browns. Sure. <laughs> I'm a Steelers fan. <laughs> but the Browns, like, the other thing too, Matt, is the Browns knew that he was going to get suspended and still gave him all that money and structured his contract so that his first year, he only gets paid a million dollars. So that if they suspend him, the most for the whole year, the most he would lose was a million dollars. And then mm. make the other two hundred and twenty-nine million dollars after he's not future season. It's just dirty. Right. Yeah, it's just way dirty. Anyway, there you go. There's there's the twenty minutes of sports discussion we'll have on Game Face for the next six months. That's pretty much how it works. Uh, okay, let's move on to our last topic of episode three ten. We're going to talk about the gaming market in general this week, and actually the week prior as well. We've been starting to get some red flags, Matt, about the gaming industry, the health of the gaming industry. And people are kind of wondering, is it just COVID? Is it supply chain? Is it the inability to get the component? Is it just a lack of being able to produce as many consoles as they wanted or the inability to get as many games out into the channels as they need to? Um, Some of the troubling numbers that we're getting comes from hardware sales, believe it or not. We're in a new generation. We're in like year two. And we're already starting to see sales less year over year. And you would think that over time the supply chain would get better and the component shortage would get better. Not until next year. 
But you would think it would increase, get at least a little better. Nope. Not back to normal. No, it hasn't. None of it has, has improved, really. Some of the shipping crisis stuff has been fixed. So you still got you still got ships waiting outside a port for weeks, and months. Like it's not none of it's fixed. None of it's better. It's still, you know, like even when the accident's cleared away, it takes a while for the traffic to start again. You know what I mean? Um, everything's down a little bit for the most part in terms of like you know consumer goods and especially luxury goods. Just because you can't get all, I mean, you still can't walk into a store and buy a PlayStation Five, yeah. like, and it's gonna be a while. Like that, that thing that just passed, the, the, you know, for more chip manufacture might help a bit. That's um, gonna take a while. To it's get gonna to take a while. Like I said, next year you're, yeah. you're gonna start seeing like a more normal retail pipeline in terms of the hardware next year. Now, I still haven't walked in a, a store and seen a fucking Series X for shit for sale. I've seen them. I've, I've never seen that. I saw them even at Christmas. Like I know they happen periodically, yeah. but I've never seen them. Like it's not, just, not not a ton. But, but it's I've it's it's August. Years yeah. later, you should be able to walk into a store and get one of these things by now. Even the yeah. Wii was available by then, and that thing was a phenomenon. Patrick says that's not true. What? That the Wii was available sooner than PS5 or Xbox Series. I, I definitely picked one up. I mean, it wasn't like a guarantee, but you could go you in on a random day and see them sometimes. Before PS5 has been available. I yeah. Yeah. I mean, they would sell out very fast, but I'd seen them on shelves before that. I yeah. wasn't in the market for buying. I'm not in the market for buying a PS5, but like... Yeah. I've just never heard of anyone getting a PS5 in a store. People, everyone I know who's gotten a PS5 in the last year has gotten them through the PlayStation Direct thing, or got like lucky when something popped up on Target, or paid a lot of money on eBay, or that yeah, paid a thousand bucks to a scalper. Yeah. yeah. Um, analyst at Cohen told investors this week that um, which is not a sale for Sony. You might you might add. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, analyst at Cohen said this week that. Um, Nothing in the overall economy, nor any post-pandemic behavioral patterns, are negatively affecting gaming content or consoles right now. I find that hard to believe. But they're the pros, apparently. You look at the data, the data tells a different story, Matt. There's an 11% dip in Xbox hardware sales, and a 6% drop in gaming content and services for the quarter that ended on June 30th. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that say to you about Xbox? Says that everybody can go outside again. You think that's what it is? Some of it, yeah. I mean, they set some records in 2020 and 2021 because everybody was stuck inside playing games. And, like, now they're not. Yeah, but I this think... is now being compared to 2021, which was not a boon year like 2020 mm-hmm. was. It was good still, but it wasn't like 2020 where it was just, like, yeah. through the roof. Everyone's trapped inside. My God, I need to buy a new video game every week mm-hmm. to keep my sanity. Well, that's still kind of going on, you know? And yeah. man, like, even me, I'll tell you, if, if I wasn't doing this show, I would not be playing nearly as much video games as I am now. Yeah. Like, I would have other things to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm out a lot more than I was the last couple of years. Like, on the weekends especially, I'm out riding my bike all the time mm-hmm. and at the beach a lot more than I was the last couple of years. Now, Cohen says that the dip in Xbox... Also, what are you going to buy? What'd you say? What are you going to buy? Like, the, the hardware is hard to find, and the games haven't all got delayed to next year. Yeah. Um, Cohen says, blames the Xbox struggles, and this is interesting, on Call of Duty Vanguard. Well, I saw, you see the thing that about, uh, what was it? Was it players or revenues? Something down 28% year over year on Call of Duty? Yeah. I understand like, Van- I don't like, like Vanguard. People hated Vanguard. I didn't like, like it either. I thought it was bad. People hated Vanguard enough that I think it's that shift is big enough to impact the whole industry number, basically. Yeah. I think that's what happened there to some degree. But they're saying that that 11% dip in hardware sales 
and 6% drop in gaming content and services is because of Call of Duty. That If that's true, that just shows you the impact of that uh, Call of Duty's huge, yeah. You gotta also remember this week, PlayStation and Xbox have been squabbling over whether Activision Blizzard has must-play games. Xbox has been saying this week that it does not have must-play must games. PlayStation has been trying to say absolutely it has must-play games. Call of Duty. Yeah, one. Because Sometimes. Because obviously PlayStation doesn't want Call of Duty to disappear. To leave. It yeah. wants it to nix the deal. So you have these two sides that are basically both are lying. Let's be honest. They're both fudging the truth mm -hmm. to try to get what they want ultimately. But it's been interesting to watch. I mean, I would argue there are... That, I mean, I struggle to think of another Activision game, frankly, at Other this than point. Call of Duty? Yeah. I mean, you also have to factor in Blizzard and... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And Blizzard obviously has a bunch of games. Yeah, um, but Blizzard games also don't really extend beyond PC too often. Generally, you're you know, right. Just Diablo, really. Yeah, Overwatch did pretty well on consoles. Yeah, but nobody gives a shit about Overwatch anymore. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Overwatch See the thing does. about they're setting out a survey about what how you'd feel about a $45 Mythic skin? Yes. What the I hell? Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> That's called playing the percentages, kids. Yeah. Uh, Cohen also blamed some of the dip on adverse foreign exchange rates, which I can get. Because as you just said, for like the first yeah. time in forever, the dollar is worth more than the euro. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect timing for my trip to Greece, I should add. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to work out pretty well for you. Work out yeah. great. Um, but anyway, he's blaming... Remember when the euro was like buck seventy-five? Right. Yeah, that's a big change. The last time I was in Europe, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. You almost had to pay like one and a half at least for everything that you paid for. Yeah. Out of U.S. dollars. Um, so anyway, that's what the experts are saying is causing the dip in Xbox Series console sales. Now, PlayStation numbers, they have dipped 2% instead of the 11%. Hardware sales has dipped 2%. It sold 2.4 million PS5s last quarter, which was slightly up to last year. But PlayStation's problem is that game sales are down 26% year mm. over year. 26% Matt. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that is Call of Duty. Um and then also just like there wasn't a whole what's been out for, yeah. for Sony. It's been a terrible year. I mean, obviously if you watch Game Face, you know we've been I I bet you that number is going to look real different when God of War comes out. Yeah. But the re the early part of this year Yeah. What you expect to burn the charts up, Sifu? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I liked it. So Horizon didn't didn't blow up really. Yeah, it did I mean, fine, it but maybe should have. But it didn't. It didn't really. do Last of Us numbers no, or anything. You know? it definitely didn't. Which is why we're seeing Last of Us. One yeah, I think you know Last of Us <laughs> and God of War holding up the back end of this year is going to really fix that number. I think uh, maybe it'll be interesting to see how many people are willing to pay seventy dollars for the last a whole of us. lot. You think so? I think that game's going to set some records. Really? Yeah. You think it'll sell more than ten million before the end of the year? I think it might hit 10 million. Really? Yeah. I'd be shocked if it sold that much. I'm looking at like five or six, I think. Mm. But we'll see. Um, but anyway, PlayStation numbers. I wouldn't have thought two would have sold what it did either. But there's an audience for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought two would sell. It was like a showcase. So it would sell. I didn't we think it was going to. waited gonna, for forever. I didn't for think it was going to sell that much. Those games were never that kind. Of, the first game was never that kind of draw. Ever. What did it sell? Like eight, something like that? The first game? Yeah. I mean, it sold eventually eight once you got through the remastered one, but that game was like a five, six million seller back on the PS, PS4. Yeah, on the PS3. Yeah, it's. Hmm. 
That I mean, that was not a giant mega hit. It was did not cross over into the mainstream the way the second one did. I mean, yeah, I'm glad I it did, but I did not. No one thought that was coming. PS3 weakest sales of any PlayStation. Oh console. sure. So that, that ties into it a little bit. But I'm saying Last of Us Two was the breakout of that series, and so I think there's going to be people going back to play to pick up the other. one. I'm sure they did pick up the remaster for cheap, but something that looks as good as the as the second one might have a draw. And there's nothing else to play, so you got to remember too for. PlayStation and Xbox software sales float the boat. Mm-hmm. Also, note they're that, losing money probably still on hardware. Also, if you look at games. my sales on PlayStation versus Xbox, my game buying on PlayStation has dropped significantly because I buy everything on Xbox because my PlayStation hard drive's full. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it. sometimes it's just that simple. If you've got you know you got multi platform in the house. Yeah. Uh, because of this, Sony adjusted its forecast down because it expects third party mm-hmm. sales to continue to decline. Um, another thing well, yeah, because the inflation's still going. Yeah, people can't afford to buy seventy dollars games at this point. Yeah, it'll be. They gotta buy food if, if Sony reconsiders that seventy dollars price tag. That might be a thing to think about. Or, I mean, we're gonna talk about it in a minute. It could increase prices. Yeah, I mean, they could pull a meta if they wanted to. Yeah, which was okay. Which that's that's a way to go with it, Zuck. Sure. <laughs> um, the other thing that's affecting Sony's financials, and it affected this quarter, and it's probably going to affect next quarter, is that the Bungie acquisition completed way earlier than people thought. Mm. Like, PlayStation may have expected that deal to finish months from now. It may mm. not have, have counted on having to put out that outlay of cash as early as it's going to have to do it. Um, so they're saying, you know, that's going to cost $3.7 billion. That might be a factor that's affecting PlayStation sales as well. Um but yeah, overall sales are down two percent. Operating income is down thirty-seven percent. PlayStation units shipped two point four million. That was up actually four percent. They actually shipped more units out than they had before. But full game PS4, PS5 software sold forty-seven million, down twenty-six percent from sixty-four million last year. Mm-hmm. That is a huge decline. Forty-seven yep. million from sixty-four million. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's a recession. It is. <laughs> like it's like that's. I mean, it's not like oh, the game industry is fucking up. It's no, the, the economy blows. Like yeah. people can't afford gas. Like of course they're not gonna buy a fucking PlayStation game. Like um, it's, it, this is just reality hitting a luxury good. I mean, rea- this year is the year where reality hit. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like yeah. we managed to skirt along the first like year and a half of the pandemic unscathed. But now the rubber's hitting the road, and that's why there's inflation. But that, in conjunction with Russia invading Ukraine, mm-hmm. has affected our gas and prices. Shortages from the second COVID round, another not second, multiple, but you know, China's factories basically shut down for a month or two yeah. because of another round of COVID, and that affected goods all over the world. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's you know the 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 global economy is a functioning organism, and when you remove a limb, you're gonna feel some effects of that all over the all over the globe. Yeah, and we're still dealing with that. There's there's you know stuff sitting on any so got the shipping problems, you got port problems, you got people you don't have enough people to unload the ships, so like stuff's not getting where it needs to get. You have random shortages of weird food items and stuff. Like it's you know it's everywhere. It's everything, and, and because of that. You know, people, A, people can't buy it, so you can't sell as many as you want to sell of it, so that's going to drive your numbers down. And B, people can't afford it. Yeah, my the cost of put gas in my car doubled for a while there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to change your budget. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to affect what you spend your money on. You're going to be smarter about what you're spending your money on. PlayStation Plus subscribers stayed pretty much flat. It was actually up 2%. Um, it 
at like 47.3 million, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. 47 million, million subscribers of PlayStation Plus. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then looking outside of the platform holders, Capcom had a 50% drop in sales in its last quarter. But it is somehow expecting annual growth throughout the year. So Capcom is counting on some big games to really push sales here in the last like few yeah. months of the year. God of War is really going to have to ride in. Yeah. On a flaming horse. Yeah. Um, and it will, I think. I think I think people will lay out for God of War. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's just... You know, you're not getting too many impulse purchases, I don't think. I yeah. think uh, I think that's going to hurt Saints Row, too. I think Saints Row is a, oh, I wonder game, as opposed to, like, I must buy that game. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to sit there and save their money for God of War or Pokemon. Yeah, probably. Uh, now, Activision Blizzard did manage to hit its Q2 target somehow. That's pretty bizarre. That's it impressive. of all the companies. I guess that uh, Diablo Immortal cash. That's probably true. Yeah, they're doing very well. <laughs> It's doing really well. For all we can complain about the business model, Much it works, the doesn't it? Of everybody else that's well, that's complained. The, well, that's the thing. You know, Jim, Jim Sterling can complain all day, but the problem is that business model works. Yeah. And if people didn't pay for it, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. So complain all you want, but until you convince your fellow players yeah. is it, to stop spending. Is it bad? Is it predatory? Yeah. Like, they're right. But it works. It works. So, and you know what? And there's nothing to stop. Yeah. A corporation from doing that. And you know what? The money that they make off Diablo Immortal, you don't have to play it. The money that it makes off of that, it then spends to make Diablo 4 and the other mm-hmm. games that you do want. So, you know, maybe next time yeah. think about that. But also there's an argument to be made. It's like, okay, it's cool that I get Diablo 4 at the cost of victimizing people who can't control themselves because they have some kind of addictive personality problem and that's what Diablo Immortal has hooked them as whales kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's not great. Um... But I don't know. Like that's just. I mean, I guess we've accepted that as a cost of business. Yeah, and I would also argue that acquiring King may have been the smartest acquisition of all of them in the last mm-hmm. like seven years. It is just a license to print. Yeah, money. it's just free money. I don't even know why King sold to anyone. Why would you do that? I mean, if I own King and I'm in that position, there's a point at which I'm just like, you know what? It's probably not going to get that much better than this. I'm going to walk away from this with like nine figures, and I don't care how much more it would be worth in however many years. I'm going to get out and go sit on a boat and not worry about it anymore. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. They could have just sat there on that boat and kept collecting the money instead of like... But you still got to do the job. You still got to yeah. run the company. You still got to make decisions. You still got to worry about it dissolving out from under you because all your money isn't liquid. It's all in holdings. Yeah. You do that your money's got you got your money yeah um industry tracker newsu reported this week that it estimates the 2022 global gaming market is actually still growing year over year at about like two percent increase but that's also a six billion downward revision just since april Hmm. so basically based on the last quarter's data newsu is like oh snap the market's going to come in six billion less than we thought for the year. That's a huge, huge downgrade, and it's predicting most of that growth. The growth that it is going to get is coming from mobile and PC, not consoles. Mm-hmm. They're expecting console. Interesting. PC is get. interesting there. Growth yep. in PC, then that is interesting. Yep. Um, and then Newsu expects the overall market to grow to two hundred and twenty-six billion in twenty twenty-five. It's predicting one hundred and ninety-seven billion for this year. So it's saying that it's going to go up 28 billion in the next few years and they're saying that by that point there will be 3.2 billion people playing video games Mm. 
So what does this all say to you, Matt? All this data that I just put out there. It says that we're in a bit of an economic problem slump that is probably going to become a recession and might become a spiral. So buckle up. Now, one thing I also say, Vanguard sucked. Yeah, and and Call of Duty Vanguard sucked. Now, one thing I will say, or at least people, it didn't resonate with people. One thing I will say is that I I don't know how to put this. Have it make sense. Typically, gaming is unaffected by recessions. Entertainment does tend to be a little resilient in terms of that, but this is a different, it's become a different kind of entertainment. Because, like, usually when you say stuff like that, you're talking about television and like movies. And movies have changed a little bit because it used to be sort of like a thing. It's like, well, everybody's going to, will, is willing to pay eight bucks to go see a movie to forget about their problems for a couple hours. On the flip side, with games, you're talking about hundreds of dollars for a system to play them on. You're talking about seventy dollars games on the PlayStation. You're talking like, like they've become a very different expense, mm-hmm. basically. Um, also, factoring in that the most expensive games have ever been were kind of at the tail end of a recession in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and then through the boom years of the Clinton era, mm-hmm. and. That was when games cost the most in terms of like you know adjusted for inflation, but people had the money to pay for them. Yeah, and now you're kind of on the reverse end, and I think you're really looking. And, and even then, the cost of goods didn't spike the way it has. Um, the cost of milk is getting ridiculous at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there is a, there's a little more of a doom to it uh, because there's kind of that question of like, well, at some point this is going to happen and it's never going to fix itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there might be a little less incentive to sort of be a bulletproof, you know, uh, uh, entertainment thing, especially because entertainment industry as a bullet, as being bulletproof to recessions and economic downturns tends to be because e- entertainment is stuff you go out, pay a small fee for, and do and enjoy, and it's over. Whereas video games, certainly over the last two generations, have made a big pivot into not just being that, but very much being luxury goods. Yeah, um, high end luxury goods. And um, I think we're seeing the dividends of that here. Now, Matt, back in 2007, 2008, when our economy literally crashed, Mm -hmm. um, games were untouched. Mm -hmm. I had just started at Game Trailers at MTV at that point. I went there in 2006, early 2006. And a year later, the economy was going in the toilet. And we just rocked all the other divisions Digital particularly, mm-hmm. at Viacom at that point, were dying, and we were making money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. And the games industry really didn't suffer at all during that recession. And that was an awful, awful recession. I remember being going to work every day and being so thankful I had a job. Mm-hmm. Because literally every single one of my friends on the East Coast had either had their hours cut, had been laid off, or had been fired. Every one of them. None of them were doing their jobs as normal. And so every day I went to work, I was like, thank God I have a job. Like, I am so lucky to be in this space. But I agree with you. I feel like this is different. It's different because it's impacting the, the currency itself. Yes. Like, this is, you know, the, the 2008 bubble, the, the prime mortgage crisis was more of a, like, the way the economy works broken mm-hmm. kind of broke yeah. and, the, and, yeah, and they obviously pumped more money into it to sort of prop that up this is a flaw this is a an actual problem with how fiat currency functions yeah. um and and it is a very hard thing to recover from um the, other thing too is the industry has changed so there aren't as many games coming out now mm-hmm. not even close i mean it's like night and day from 2007 
And the free-to-play market back then was almost non-existent. So there are lots of things, games. We just talked about one in today's show. We talked about multiverses, a triple-A game that's free. That stuff wasn't happening back then. No. People have options now. If they don't have as much money as they used to have, they still want to play games. They have the option now of not paying to play games. Yep. Like if you hated Vanguard, but you don't have the money to buy other stuff, and you know better than to buy Battlefield 2042, like Apex Legends yep. is right there. Yep. It's like, great. Yeah. It's really good. So I think it could be different this time. And it, what I was tipping my hand a little bit earlier to talk about this, the price increase. So mm-hmm. they asked PlayStation this week, could it increase the price of PS5? And it had no comment. Mm. Might have, might have been a good time to buy that uh, Horizon bundle right, this week. Right right on the heels of Meta increasing yep. the price of its Quest headsets. And that's also, by the way, now the prices are there. That was August 1st when that turned over. Mm-hmm. So you had basically a three-day window to buy it at the old price before it went up. So what if the PS5 goes up by 100 bucks right before God of War? That could happen. Yeah. And then what happens to sales of PS5? Then these numbers for next quarter are even worse. Then we really find out whether entertainment's bulletproof. Right. I really feel like there's some vulnerabilities this time Mm -hmm. that I probably wouldn't have felt if you had talked to me about this five, six years ago. Well, certainly in 2000, it was never any talk in 2008 of raising the price of the 360 or the PS3. Nope. No, there weren't. It's not a thing anyone even considered. It was even, yeah, even a part of the discussion back Mm -hmm. then. So... That is the big difference. Is like there was obviously there was an employment crisis. There was the real estate crisis. All that stuff was happening, but money wasn't worth less in any appreciable yeah. way. Like that was the you know you, you weren't having trouble buying base. You, people didn't have enough money to live on because of the the unemployment problem and the and the and all that and losing their houses and the mortgage was. You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on there, yeah. but you didn't have you know if you weren't involved in that stuff, if you kept your job or lucky enough to still have a job and you were not involved in this in the prime mortgage crisis, like you you didn't have trouble really taking the money you'd always had and spending about the same amount of money to go buy your groceries that right. week. That is not true now. It's not. It's a different it's situation. Everybody. Yeah, it's a big difference for sure. Um, so I do think these are some red flags that we should probably keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I hope next quarter. I mean, that's a red flag you should keep your eye on in a much larger sense than just the game just industry. Just the games industry. Which um, is kind of the point we're just we're saying yeah. here, though. This transcends everything. There's no safe haven. Yeah, in this yeah at best, you're lo- this is a canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Really. And the other thing, too, is that the publishers have... And here comes the PlayStation VR 2. Good right. Po- good point, Andy Monahan. Yeah, I mean, do you yeah, think like, that they're going to just... God knows what the price that on that's going to be. Like, or will they make the price outrageous or will they just delay it? Yeah. Like, are you looking at some... Do you raise the price of the PS5 so the PSVR 2 isn't more than the PS5? Right, to offset so people might think about buying PSVR 2. Like, there's so many angles to Like, this. if you have to charge $600 for the PSVR 2, do you make the PS5 $600 so they look uneven? They look even with each other, and right. it's not like, why is the head, VR headset more than the console? The other problem, too, is that the publishers are making bigger bets now. They're releasing fewer games, and they need the games that they do release to hit. Mm-hmm. And if suddenly people have become a little more curmudgeonly with their money, and they're being a little more cautious about how they spend whatever disposable income they have, there's a higher chance that your big bet is going to fail. This There's... 
there's red flags all over the place here. And I mm-hmm. hope that I'm just being alarmist and I'm completely wrong. When was the last time that was true in the last three years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, a lot of people have been wrong about a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. In the last but usually years. it's when they're not estimating the worst case scenario is right. incoming. Yeah. So. so just something to keep an eye on. Like, obviously, we're in trouble. Our revenue has, like, since, like, the first year of COVID, it wasn't that bad for us. Mm-hmm. Like we lost revenue, the last eighteen months it's been a freefall. So we're not immune. Sift is not immune. No, it doesn't feel like anyone's immune to this. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out for the games industry. This is the first time in my entire career where I felt uneasy about it. It has always been an upward trajectory, mm-hmm. and like when the housing bubble popped, there was a week where I was like, oh crap. Like, could this guy lose my job? Could blah, 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 could all this stuff happen? And then very quickly I realized, nope, our traffic isn't dropping. Like, our traffic has continued to keep going up. Like, 2007, 2008, those were prime growth years at game trailers where we were just, like, exploding. Mm-hmm. And so we were completely insulated from it. You were. Like, you had no problems continuing to produce no. X-Play after I left. We went like, live daily yeah, that year. Yeah. Like, it we we grew, we were bigger than than we ever were before yep. or since in on 2008. Yep, it's not like that this time. So something to keep an eye on, folks. Um, I don't know if you guys personally are like, yeah, being Although more I, careful with how you spend your money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look out for yourself in that regard for sure. And yeah. also like, um, you know, remember like just you know, the concern isn't that like oh no the gaming industry could collapse because basically if the gaming industry it's like I said, canary in a coal mine. Like you're going to have bigger things to worry about than the year over year on the PlayStation Five sales. Oh, if yeah. uh, this all really gets the fan, you have to worry about what Matt has said before. You'd be fighting over a bottle of Mountain Dew out in the streets. Yep. <laughs> you'll be looking back at this. You'll be looking at this video, being like, "How could he just keep that on the desk like <laughs> I that?" I wish I could reach through the screen and yeah. grab his Mountain Dew. <laughs> he didn't even bad. open it. He hasn't even drunk it. What does he think? It could get it's bad. liquid gold. Yep. Uh, so I'm actually. Surprised that you agree with me on this, that there are some reasons for concern this time. I yeah. thought you might say that there's not. So. No, I mean, I don't think there's anything that they could do differently. I don't either. I don't think there's any mistakes no, other I, than going to this, like, big bed. Yeah, their only, their only mistake is living in this reality. Right. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> like, like all of us, really. Yeah. You're in the wrong timeline, Sony. Yeah. That's the that's the only problem. It's the only mistake you made. Can we another one? <laughs> Where PS5s are all over the yeah. store shelves? PS5s are plentiful and Morbius was a good movie. <laughs> Like, it, 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 what, what a world that would be. Uh, Shneeky says, since COVID, I've been saving and saving, just in case. Yeah. yeah. The the problem is, uh, it doesn't matter how much you save if money isn't worth anything anymore. That's a good point, actually. Um, Veritas says, I've cut off spending the last two years. Yeah. A lot of people have been that way. You got to. Yep. I hear you. And I hope all you guys have managed to stay employed and keep your jobs and, you know, inflation... Hasn't really got better. The price of gas has slowly started to come down. At least that's one. Yeah, thing. well, because the price of gas is completely out of line with inflation. That's just greed. It was greed. Yeah, the corporations are like, okay, we recorded our record quarter of profits. Yeah, and we watched our stock price climb. To yeah, if you own if you level. own petroleum company, you're doing fine. Yeah. If you own Shell, like yeah. you're you're not noticing any problem except yeah. like, wow, I can own a second boat. Yeah, third boat, fourth boat. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it's been. All right, you can hear about all the rock star stuff if you have that many boats. That's true. Yeah. One boat per project. Yeah. No one's getting on the bully boat. No one wants to do that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it for Game Phase 310. 
And we do not have a name that game this week because we have nothing to give away. We have no prizes. We ran out of all the game codes that we got. So, Prize inflation. Yeah, <laughs> inflation's even affected our name that game. We can't do it. We don't have the money to buy prizes for you guys anymore. Uh, we are going to do some Q&A, though. And we do have some extra time. Although it looks like we make, well... 15 minutes downtime for 10. Yeah, we, we spent some time on the... Oh, on by the, the way, did my mic No, people better? are still complaining about oh, it. Oh, they are still complaining about it. Yep. Because you guys didn't realize it. While Matt was talking in Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I swapped the mic cord on the mic. So you can see, here's the one we were using. I thought maybe it no, might it be that a mic cable went bad. People who came in the chat like late would still be were still like, what's wrong with Shane's mic? What is going on? I don't know. That is weird. Well... I have some work to do. Swanland says he sent you more games during the podcast, though. What did you say? Swanland says he sent you more games during this. Oh, no way. Okay. Well, then, well, the name that game will be back next week. And Swanland, you're the man, by the way. Everyone should thank Swanland in the chat right now for giving us games for this. He has supplied, like, the last, like, eight weeks. Uh, Humble Choice unlocks on Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month. That's why. Ah, That's gotcha. where he gets the extra codes. Oh, okay. Cool. I should do that. I have, I have probably dozens of games game codes on humble that i will never ever look at again yeah well if you're not gonna use them we can use them for yeah. in that game <clears throat> but we'll be back next week so don't cry thanks swanlin for hooking it up uh johnny hurricane thank you for twitch prime man that's awesome i appreciate it and thanks for all the power rangers power rangers helmets those are some cool emojis you got there i don't think you got those from our uh from our stream no i think he got those from teenagers with attitude what's that that is what they say in the opening to Power Rangers. Uh, Find me teenagers with attitude. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I thought maybe it was a stream or something that he. That I'm sure did. somewhere there's a Power Rangers fan stream called Teenagers with Attitude. That's I guarantee you. That uh, is. I'm really thing. disappointed to hear that fixing that mic cable did not fix. Yeah, that's weird. Problems. I have no idea what it is, so I'm gonna have to work on it and try to figure it out before next week's show. Um, but at least now I know I don't have to go through the whole episode and fix the mic because there's just no way to do that. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. you just got to deal with the audio for this episode. I'm sorry, guys. Um, okay. So anyway, we're taking questions. Go at Sifted Games in the chat so we can click it out from everyone talking about um, Name That Game. Everyone thanking Swanland for giving codes so we have something to give out for Name That Game. Uh, here's one from Sneaky. Have you seen, I'm assuming, Digital Foundry talking mm -hmm. about the price of the new PlayStation VR at 500 euro? As a casual kind of gamer, that to me is batshit crazy. What are your thoughts? Uh, mm -hmm. First of all, I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's about what we kind of thought. That's kind of what I thought. The um, first day PlayStation VR was 400 bucks. Yeah, and this is more, and, like even more elaborate. And so. with the inflation and the components, the controllers and, the, and everything, yeah. like that's kind of what I thought. But to your point, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's a lot of freaking money. Considering the lack of traction VR has right now. Yeah. Like, I really think they may delay this thing for like a year and a half or two years. Mm -hmm. This is the worst possible time to launch an expensive, expensive piece of electronics. It is. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a worse time in the last 20 years to do something like this. So, I think they may delay it. I don't think that they'll ever lower the price, though. I think probably 500 euros is what it's going to cost when it comes out, whenever it does finally come out. Um, from Swanlin, did you see the user score of the Metacritic for Digimon Survive? That's actually a game that I missed this week. We'll probably talk about that <laughs> next week. I did not see the Metacritic scores. Everyone hates how it's a visual novel, mostly. Do you think the hate is more because Bandai Namco did a terrible job informing buyers that that's what it was? Yeah, I mean, if the consumers were under an impression that it was going to be one thing and it turned out to be another, like, personally, I think it's a strategy RPG. 
if you watch trailers for it, any of the gameplay that Bandai Namco has released, it's a strategy RPG. So yeah, if I played it and I'm gonna play it and I find out that it's basically just an adventure game and it's all story driven and there's not much gameplay to it, then yeah, I would be surprised and pissed off about that, absolutely. And I would argue that they're right. Like there definitely was some bait and switch going on there. I never thought that it was a visual novel. It doesn't look like it based on any of the promotional media. So yeah, I think they have a case there. I would be pissed off too if I was really excited for that game and it turns out it wasn't what Bandai Namco sold it as. I haven't seen a lot of reviews for that either. Hmm. I don't know why. It's not getting I coverage. don't even know what it is. So I know one thing. Bandai I know, Namco, what I know what Digimon is, but I didn't know there was controversy over it. People have been waiting a long time. It's been delayed like right. four times. Right. It would be easier if people just assume all games based on anime TV shows are going to be terrible. And just be pleasantly surprised when they're not. Because as a Gundam fan, that's how I roll. Yeah. Or a Transformers. <laughs> like, just like... Yeah, just I, I, it's kind of amazing to me that, that people thought any of that. I mean, maybe Digimon games are good. I don't, I don't know much about Digimon. Yeah, they're usually not that great. Um, but they sold it as one thing, and as it turns out, it's actually something else. Um, and yeah, so I can understand why people are angry at that. The other thing too is that um, Ben and Amco cleaned house on his PR department. They fired everybody, hmm. which is weird because they just had their probably their most successful game in the history of their company. And then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we're gonna fire the team that put that together." I don't know. It's a which, weird. which game was that? Um, the Dragon Ball thing. Wait, who published Elden Ring? Well, that's oh, WB, wasn't it? That was was it? Who did publish Elden Ring? Actually, I, I, thought, I thought that was Warner Brothers involved in that. Was it WB? I thought I saw that. I can't remember now. Yeah, I don't care who publishes those. Games. <laughs> It's if it's a from game. I don't know. Yeah. They cleaned house. So maybe, that it was, maybe it was both. Was it like a joint thing? Maybe. I don't know. But they cleaned house, Bandai Namco did, and um, fired their PR people who I have literally known to have worked there for over 20 years. Yeah, they had a very unchanging PR They fired department. everybody, Matt. Did wow. you see that? No. All of them. They're all gone. Um, I have no idea what they're thinking, but it could have affected them distributing review code of this game. and maybe why we're not seeing a lot of reviews and coverage of it. Because it did kind of slip under the radar, but we'll talk about it in next week's episode. Um, one from Cinetype with Game Pass pushing subscriptions and now Sony joining in. Also, mobile and games as a service, free to play monetization increasing. Do you think we'll see a race to the bottom situation in console and PC gaming? Basically, he's saying, is Game Pass going to kill game sales? Doesn't, I mean, if, doesn't seem if to things be. get really bad in the economy, like we really go into a recession where like everyone's lost their jobs, maybe. Because if you're like, hey, you can spend $15 a month and you can get all these games or you can spend $60 this month and get one, it starts to look like a really good proposition. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I would like to think it's not going to happen, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, this is for Vidya Games. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, and a question from you as well. Matt, are you going to try that new Transformers VR game at Dave & Buster's? I don't even know what he's talking about there. It's a, it's like, I think it's a Bayverse thing. Probably not, because I don't care about the Michael Bay stuff, if that's what I'm thinking of. And also, like, I'm still not at the point where I'm going to put someone else's VR headset on my face. Yeah, me either. You know? Screw like, that. <laughs> that's how you get monkeypox, kids. I'm surprised that they even are allowing that, honestly. Yeah. Um, Grimshaw rocks. How surprised, disappointed would you be if the next Switch isn't 4K? That's not. <laughs> I would be floored if the new Switch it's was 4K. It's not, not a happen. chance in hell. No, it's definitely going to be 4K. 
I I would bet my 401k. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm saying not a chance in hell it will be 4K. The next Switch not won't be 4K? A, no, it won't. No. I'm sure it'll be capable of it on a certain game, but like you're going to get 1440p out of that thing at best. You think? This is going to be a PS4. The next Switch will be between a PS4 and a PS4 Pro. Really? In power. Absolutely. I think it'll be 4K. Are I you mean, new? It'd be idiotic like, it, to not move it to 4K. It's Nintendo! But Matt, they've already ditched three generations of consoles. Like, they, And they're going to do it again because they sell fine without it. It's going to be it's gonna be like a PS4 or 1.5 power-wise. Wow. Absolutely. Not a chance in L. I would be... Well, there you go. We're split. I would be very surprised and disappointed. Would well, be don't because I'm telling you, it's going to be... <laughs> you're going to be getting 2K if you're lucky out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it will be capable of 4K, but like you'll have to be playing like Tetris. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it'll be 4K. Um, Zabumafu with the Crack Bros. <laughs> Why is Mario <laughs> Rabbids referred to as an XCOM-like? Um, Rogue's games are considered roguelikes. I'm guessing there must have been similar to XCOM on PC that predate XCOM. Because the first one was like XCOM. Yeah, it's... It's because XCOM has it, it. It's just the presentationally, it was very similar to the you know the the new versions of XCOM, where the way you move the character, the way you, you position, the way that, that all worked, yeah. was very similar to the presentational style of the new XCOM games. That's why. I mean, yeah, yeah obviously, turn-based strategy games have been around forever, but the Mario Rabbids game just took so much. So many cues from how those XCOM any with enemy within an enemy enemy unknown did stuff that it was a very fair comparison i thought okay uh from very gooster the new one feels a lot more like valkyria chronicles and how you move around and, and fight so we'll see what people call it yeah then. that's a good point um very gooster um could a 1983 style crash happen again Probably not because the that crash was because of overproducing stuff and overestimating the potential size of the market and a, a lack of interest and a lack of in, in a way and it was also part of like because of the the lack of quality of the games like the problem right now is not quality of game the problem is money yeah the problem you know no one's worried that God of War is going to be the next E T mm -hmm. uh, the problem is that can people afford a seventy dollar game when they can't buy milk yeah those it's are two different. different problems yeah but to me it's like a it was a flood of crappy games mm -hmm. was a big part of it. There was a lack of a compelling reason to keep buying and playing, I feel, mm -hmm. because the new consoles was kind of facing the law of diminishing returns stuff that we're seeing now, in all honesty. Yeah, there was no ex reason to be excited about the Atari 5200. There wasn't. There was no, there there was was no forward momentum. Like, there was nothing yeah. to get people excited about that. So it was a different time, and people, honestly, were just losing interest. All the arcades mm -hmm. closed... People just decided that they didn't want to play video games yeah. anymore. And it's way different now. The amount of people that play games now dwarfs the amount of people who played back then. Yeah, it's a standard hobby now and it just isn't going yeah. away. Like the I mean, back then, like you you weren't, you know, if you were around then you remember or old enough to remember, like the like just the talk I mean every single time video games and arcade games were mentioned in in the news or entertainment tonight or whatever you want to call uh you know in the 80 80 to 83 range like they were always it was always referred to as the video game fad right as the thing that these kids crazy kids are doing and nobody knows what this is the kind now of thing. the fad's over and like that was and it was, oh it's over it was kind of an expected thing and part of that was because the people that like you know the kids those of us who grew up with it who like you know saw it when we were, saw the an asteroids machine when we were three and was like yep that's what i'm gonna do like that we weren't old enough to be able to buy things on our own and stuff right. and then and then you had the nes come back show up a couple years later and that became a thing and by the time the nes was and was ready to move on to the 
Genesis and the Super Nintendo. We were older. We had paper routes and jobs, and we could save up and, and buy it ourselves. And I and West, the other thing people don't necessarily remember if you're younger is when the Genesis and the Super Nintendo came out, one of the big walls you'd run into with the parents was you already have one. Right. They didn't understand that you the next generation... Yeah, you already have a Nintendo. <laughs> Why do you need another one? How come the, or you'd have parents that were furious that the Genesis didn't play NES games? Right, right. Things like that. <laughs> like, they didn't understand the business model. Yeah. And after yeah. that 16-bit generation, the business model was well-established, and those of us who grew up with it didn't see anything weird about the fact that we're about to have to buy a PlayStation, an N64, and, and a Saturn. And, and Yeah, and, absolutely. And yeah. So, that, so that was a big difference, too. So you don't have that anymore. You don't have to establish that this medium is not going away anytime soon. Yeah. That was part of the problem was complete, not just lack of interest because lack of quality, but because investors and business people were like, oh, I guess this is over. We got to get out of it. Yeah. That is never going to happen again yep. with video games. Yeah. So to answer your question in a word, no. No. It's not if happen. video games go, if the video game crash happens, it's because everything else crashed too. Yep. Uh, next question from Johnny Hurricane. How long after GTA 6 launches do you think that they'll add online? Think they do day and date this time? They'll try. They'll definitely try. Because now they know how much money they can make from GTA Online. Back yeah. then, it was a hypothesis. Yeah, make They're... no mistake, GTA Online is the lead skew here. Yeah, like GTA Six will be there to get the news headlines and the and yeah. the and to get people interested and get people justify the cost of the thing at retail. But GTA Online is where the bread is buttered. Yeah, they will do their best to get that up there day one. Yep. Yeah. So I think they'll do everything they can to yeah. make it. Will they succeed? I don't know. But I, I, they would very much love to have that day and date. I'm they'll sure. be trying to do everything they can to make it happen. Absolutely. Um, the Big Smoke 82 is coming up on two years since uh, the next gen consoles. Have you been satisfied with them so far? No, I have not. I've been, I've said this on Game Face before, I've been really disappointed in this generation of consoles. They're not making games just for these consoles. Like, we, every game we play now should be looking as good as Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That's just my opinion. Um, I don't know why. Like, honestly, telling the difference between a PS5 and a PS4 Pro is almost impossible with third-party games. Mm. Like, the only games I've played on my PS5 that felt like, hey, I spent 500 and some dollars for a new console are Sony's first-party exclusives. The rest of it, all the third-party stuff, I would have been just as happy still keeping my PS4 Pro. I'm happy with the Xbox. Um, it was a I huge use it all the time. Because I had and... the OG Xbox One. Mm. So and the PS5, I'm happy with the PS5 when I'm playing an exclusive thing, but otherwise I don't really do much with it. So I would say of the two, the PS, it's weird because of the two, I think the PS5's exclusives are higher highs, but overall I think the PS5 has been less worth it because I play it less often. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and we're getting there. Like God of War will go a long way there, but, but it's like still it's like again, it's a thing that happens like once Pro. or twice a year. You know, yeah. I love Stray, but like, would Stray have been a horrible experience on the PS4 Pro? Probably not. No. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like it's a PS5 exclusive to me, Stray. But yeah, so I am disappointed. Are you disappointed overall? No. 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 You're happy I, with it so far? More or less. Spent Eleven hundred dollars on two consoles. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely see the performance improvement on the on the Series X yeah. when I'm playing most stuff because of the load times at the very least. And PS5. I mean, look, PS5. I just wish there was more stuff to play that was only on the PS5. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I don't. I'm not disappointed in the quality of the PS5 exclusives. I'm disappointed in the frequency of them. Okay. Um, and the Fox and Crow. I'd like to know how Sifted is doing. Will the finances be okay over the next year? Will you guys have to pivot in any way? Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to discuss this. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I'm like I'm trying to keep from discussing like 
our financial situation on our shows because I don't feel like it does any good. Like, I think one thing I've learned throughout Sifted's tenure and existence has been like, there's no such thing as like internet sympathy. Yeah. There isn't. No. Like, it, it doesn't feel like it not, matters. Not unless you're like a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like it matters, like, how bad we're doing or, or really how good we're doing. It feels like how much money we make is almost, it feels like it's completely out of our hands. Hmm. I really feel helpless. Like, I feel like it doesn't matter. You should put up a, like, a GoFundMe about how Sifted is about to die and needs, needs money <laughs> to pay all its bills, but, like, just put pictures up of a puppy right. and say it's Sifted. Yeah. <laughs> And you'll get like, you'll get like $10 million. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just, it doesn't matter. Like, I feel like nothing that I do matters. We've gone through stretches where we have produced like four times the content that we're producing right now. And it did nothing. We've watched our Patreon go down. Like, it feels like the more stuff we publish on our YouTube channel, the more we lose subscribers. Mm. It, It... I don't even know how to put it into words. But what, what I'm getting at is, like, I don't want to talk anymore about how Sifted is doing financially because it rubs some people the wrong way, and I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way, honestly. And I feel like we've done everything. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. That's the bottom line, and I don't feel like there's any reason to bring it up in public anymore. You can go to our Patreon, and you can see where it is. Like... I don't need to tell you. So either you want to support us and you believe in what we're doing and you believe that what Matt and I provide with all our years of experience is something that other people can't provide or you don't. People are saying get a mascot. I kind of like that. <laughs> either you like that we go the extra mile with like our flagship show and we produce B-roll for it and you get to see the games that we're talking about or you don't care about it or you care more about the people and not their expertise or whether they're going to help you buy games or not. Like. Our tactic is like, we want to help you guys buy games. We want to make sure you guys are not wasting your money. I think the tactic a lot of other people use is, hey, look at me. Like a lot of people doing this show would be doing this all the time. Hey, look at me, make me a star, follow me on Twitter, follow me everywhere so I can parlay this into some other job somewhere. That's the second time I flipped to my camera this entire episode. That's not what we're about. We're not about Matt and I. We're about the games. And we'll be, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't feel like people care about that anymore. People want the personality. They want the... I don't even know. They want people that they think are their friends. I, I don't know. But anyway, I just don't think it's worth it talking about our financial situation. I'll just say this. We're doing terrible. Hmm. <laughs> so... I'm saying you, a, a cartoon flower sifter. Yeah. If you could mascot. Do fix that, we'd appreciate it. That's what I'm That's saying. That's pretty like, much all I could say. Mascot. A mascot. Flower sifter. Oh. Like, a, like a flower sifter. You know, like the, like oh. the logo. <laughs> you mean like the actual... Yeah, but like with, a, with, a, like with a face on it. Sifter. I know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like a face on it. Like <laughs> sifty. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> I'll buy one this week. Mm. So my two jobs this week are to buy a sifter to create a mascot mm-hmm. and to fix the damn audio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, it's not, it doesn't do anything. It makes no difference. And all we end up is like people bitching at us on YouTube saying that we're begging for money or we're e-begging or whatever. Like, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of all of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm sick of the internet. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I think that's it. Um, Eric Scott, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, okay, wait, wait, take one more question. Um, Sneaky, if you need money, I'm still interested in the Uncharted 2 Dagger and Big Daddy. Dead serious. <laughs> yeah. That Uncharted 2 Dagger ain't cheap. I'm saving all that stuff until I retire. Give me a little nest egg. Help me live in the nursing home for an extra two months. By then, a nursing home is going to cost like $20,000 a month. <laughs> it's kind of getting that way already. Yeah. Um, Big Smoke, you need a dumb, mad face for your YouTube thumbnails. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, honestly, they're probably right. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to probably get a photographer to come in here. Take a bunch of goofy photos of you and I with our faces contorted in all these different ways. Big red text. Play, you know, PlayStation doomed a, forever. Yeah, put a corny yellow outline around us going like... <laughs> it, I know. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Sorry. <laughs> if that's what it takes, it's not worth it to me. It's just not. So, touche. Um, and, but you have some people like, I hate the fake influencer gamers. But the fact of the matter is most people love them. They're the ones who have... 5 million subscribers on their YouTube channels and blah, blah, blah. And they're rolling in money. They have a Ferrari and a seven-bedroom house and five-car garage. It's insane. Um, okay, I think that's it. Well, I do want to apologize for the audio issues on this episode. I still have no clue what's going on. It's really bizarre. Um, this is something like this has never happened before, but I will get to the bottom of it. And uh, thanks for keeping us abreast of that and at least giving us a chance to try to fix it on the fly. Uh, but hopefully we'll have it fixed for next week. I'll do everything I can to make that happen. Uh, if you're watching this show on YouTube or you're listening to it on any of the podcast services and it's on all of them, um, it'd be great if you could help us in any way. You can head to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a pledge. Even a dollar makes a difference if you just want to be like, hey, I'll give you $12 a year. That might help. It does help. Everything makes a difference for us. Um, if you spend, if you pledge four dollars or more per month, you get all our content early. And if you don't have any money, you can still help us with Twitch Prime, which a lot of people do on our live streams. You hear us calling them out all the time during the streams. Um, if you don't know what that is, you don't know how it works, and you're watching this on YouTube, the directions are down below in the description. They're very easy. As I've said the last few weeks, my mom can do it. She's seventy some years old. If she can figure it out, you can do it. You do have to re-up it every month, and that's kind of a pain in the butt. But you only have to look up your accounts once, and that takes even that only takes really like two minutes or whatever. Um, and you can give us a free two dollars and fifty cents a month if you're an Amazon Prime member. It's free. Amazon pays us. You just have to click that little button at Twitch.tv/siftedgames, and that's it. That's all you got to do, and you can help us out, and it's completely free. And um, we'd appreciate it very much. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Dinfire. You can follow Matt on Twitter at mkyle, and you can follow the site, Sifted, at Sifted Games. Um, we'll be back next week, although I'm a little nervous, Matt, about what we're going to talk about next week. Looks like Digimon Survives definitely on the docket. Mm. <laughs> but it is slow, but we're doing our best to get good shows out to you guys, and I hope you're enjoying them. I know I'm still enjoying sitting here talking games with Matt. So we'll see you guys next Tuesday at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until then... Game faces up and out. <laughs> <laughs>